happy holidays and welcome to a very special edition of Random Chatterings. I'm Arlo Rodriguez. About two years ago, two Hispanic brothers from Lennox slash Inglewood embarked on a journey to find out what was Japanese animation. And while they didn't reach a definitive conclusion, they did learn a lot about themselves and about the world around them. After a grueling six-hour recording session and over 40 hours of editing, the episode was finally released in August of 2015. It remains despite the initial reception, and by that I mean no one listening to it or checking it out, to them, one of their proudest accomplishments in the podcast's brief history. And it ended up being a season finale of sorts as one of the co-hosts left the program and the show transitioned in a different direction which it has maintained ever since. To properly celebrate the arrival of the new year and to commemorate this special occasion, for the first time ever, we are uploading the entire nearly three-hour epic onto the normal feed, not in parts, but the entire thing. Um, if you're actually curious about the production of this episode, we actually did a mini-sode uh, about a year ago called Random Chatting AMV that's a more detailed explanation of the creation process behind this particular episode. And now for your listening pleasure, here's Random Chatting's OVA in its entirety. Happy Holidays, and here's to the new year. Chatterings episode 14. I'm Arlo Rodriguez the Gesso. I am Yuki Takaya Poi. What? Excuse me? Yuki Takaya. Who's that? You'll find out. And today we'll be discussing something, uh, a topic that is very near and dear to both of our hearts. We'll be talking about the medium of Japanese animation. So, exactly why are we talking about anime today? Because you forced me to. Besides that, anime has been something that even though we've started watching recently, but I watched like, well, more recently than that actually in fact it's been a part of our lives for longer than we think which you really don't take into account but like all those childhood shows most of it is actually anime even though it's in english it, yeah well there's some that are kind of disputed like like avatar and like rwby but then there's the ones that we definitely know is can be considered anime and i believe if i'm correct that our first anime was dragon ball z uh, I think it was. It was one of those Saturday morning cartoons. It was, but what was, what was funny about the first time we saw Dragon Ball Z is that we actually saw it on Sundays because it was on Telemundo. So we so we saw our first anime in Spanish. Do you remember that? Um, not really. It I was don't. like really, really early on, like early 2000s. Like it would, they'd show Dragon Ball Z, but then they'd show also these other really, like, really terrible Canadian shows. Um, okay. But, the, but Dragon Ball Z is the first anime that I feel like I knew all the characters, even though I never ever saw it. Like I never, I never followed the series as extensively as everything else. Hmm. So Dragon, so Dragon Ball Z was our first anime, and we didn't even. Well, but we know the characters: Goku, Piccolo, Krillin, Boo, the other guy. Wait, you don't know the characters? No, I know Vegeta, and but that's like that's about it. No, there's Vegeta Cell. Yeah. And then the fat one, and Ooh. oh, okay, the the, f- the fat pink one. The fat one, yeah. <laughs> um, 
The morbidly obese one. Wait, what, what? There's two fat ones? No, because he, he is the fat one, and then the fat one evolved after he hit the gym. Oh, so Super Saiyan... Super Saiyan <laughs> Super Boo. Saiyan Boo? Super no Saiyan idea. Boo Level 3 Edition 2.0. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, but that made, that made the, the, uh, the strongest impression on us, because like, I remember the... Well, of course I remember the theme song. It's like, Shala! Head Shala! But I don't... What, did they do a Spanish version of that? Most likely, if it's Telemundo, probably, most likely. Probably. And it I don't even. How did Telemundo and it was, even and get it was that? Probably deal? horrible. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Because, I mean, even, like today, Gary was playing um, Ozu and he found the Pokemon theme song in Spanish. And it was. Oh, no. It was. Um, oh. It was. Um, Pokemon, tengo que atrapar, no. Oh, Jesus Christ. Con todo nuestro corazón, Pokemon. Oh, son amigos, tú. I used to remember this. Yo te voy a negar. Dude, you have an incredible memory. Pokemon. That's our actual... Well, I mean, Dragon Ball Z was definitely our first, but that... My God, Pokemon. How many hours did we spend watching Pokemon? We own VH. No, yes, we, own, we did. We own VAC. Yeah, VHS. That was the only thing I think we ever had. We could afford to collect, like even because the cards were like I don't know. They felt like no, we we had still... we had cards, but they were like they were like something we got like at the liquor store, like every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. But the VHS types we actually did collect, and we collected as much of them as possible. And and this shows how old um VHSs are because nowadays we have Netflix. All every fucking series is on. Like you binge watch an entire series with these VHS, VHS tapes. It was a novelty that had three episodes in one tape. And then some of them we had had four episodes. And, and I was like, like whoa! We're like, oh shit! Oh my god! So many episodes! And just now, like, this is like an hour, hour just, and a half. Like an hour and a half. Like my entire Saturday morning can be. Well, my Saturday night. Well, you usually watch them on a Saturday night. But then, do you watch them at night? Yeah, usually, usually. But um. <laughs> As wonderful as our memories might be of Pokemon, it is still a pretty stupid show. In comparison. Like, mm-hmm. in comparison to what we've seen recently. Oh, yeah. It's very... Well, the, the dubbing is actually pretty hilarious in comparison to what... Um, how do I, I don't know how to explain this. So you explain it. Um, explain what? The dubbing. Like, why the dubbing the... feels like it's so fresh to us. I mean, is it because we've never heard the Japanese? Yeah, that's probably why. Because, like, we didn't even know... like. We, we, we watched Pokemon for the fact that it was just Pokemon. Like, we, I didn't even know... We didn't, I don't, probably didn't even know the word anime back then. Oh, definitely. It just looked like something really... It, it just looked it, like something it, it, it was just your normal Saturday morning cartoon. And you were like, oh, this is fun. Like, yeah, because this is, in the same is, block of... This is new. This is interesting. My parents watch nothing but stupid novellas, so I'm going to watch my <laughs> cartoons. Because in the same animation block, it would be Animaniacs, it would be Batman, and then it would be Pokemon. Yeah. And that would be... And then, and this is even going to date us even more, that... Pokemon actually premiered in the afternoon block, like the, the two-hour afternoon block. That would be perfectly quick because it would be right after school. And then after that would be French Prince of Bel, of Bel- mm-hmm. Air, like on Channel 5. And yeah. Oh, man. And all of that's gone. The Saturday morning cartoon is officially dead. Um, well, in, I mean, in the local, in the local. Yeah, in the... No, no one really does that anymore. Yeah. Didn't we... We saw the actual like first movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That might have been even our first, the first movie we ever saw in theaters. In theaters, yeah. We, we saw the actual. Movie. I mean, I was still sucking my thumb and shitting myself, but you were able to actually see it. Uh, yeah, probably because you like one year old. I was like, that was ninety eight, ninety nine, ninety eight. Yeah, I was like born. Yeah, and I remember that you would get like if you went to the movie, you would get the special card or something, and. 
and of course, I'll remember the movie, the weird jokes like Ash talking about how Minnesota exists in the Pokemon world, <laughs> and uh, and well, the plot of it doesn't make that much sense, really. I mean, it's trying to be well. Funny enough, actually, the, the, I think the creators or the original directors, like the Japanese directors, intended to make something a bit different. They tried to kind of put. Question the they tried to give Pokemon. it more of a story than really just a boy trying to catch them all. And I think the dub simplified the the film dub simplified it, and it also had really terrible dated '90s music. Brother, my brother, he's <laughs> everywhere. That scene is still pretty sad, but it, but I guarantee you, it was not in the Japanese soundtrack. Most likely not, but. And uh, that that the the Pikachu crying scene. No, is... no, that's still that still affects me to this day. Even though it's a little bit cheap because Pikachu's tears bring Ash back to life, but well, still, it's pretty, know, pretty I, heartbreaking. Is it Pikachu's tears or is it all of them? Because they oh, all, it's all of them. They all cry. But it starts no for Pikachu's, Pikachu's tears or, or, are the or, last ones. Or the moment where um the Pikachu's are slapping each other and they're that and is they're doing actually it while still crying. horrifying. They're doing it while crying. Like, that is horrifying. Pika! That is just. Pika! God, and you, you, this wouldn't have been a million times worse because we actually saw the birth of Mewtwo for the first time. Oh yeah! Fucking holy shit! How the birth of the birth of Mewtwo? Yeah, the birth of Mewtwo is not for kids. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's not for kids. It's my, It's like it's more intense than what you'd expect from a Pokemon. It's like it works really well as a short film. It uh, it's fifteen minutes. I think. Nine minutes. I think it was like, like oh minutes. yeah, it was like nine, ten minutes. What it essentially is, it's like it's the it's it shows how Mewtwo was born, which they cut out of the of the American version of the movie. No, they had like a slice of it in the actual movie, but they, they didn't get like all the morbid shit. Like we saw how Mewtwo was created in a lab and how he uh -huh. broke out, but we didn't see like the actual why he broke out, yeah. what caused what caused his emotions to get riled up the way that they were, and that's because he had a friend. That was, wait, was it the daughter of the professor? It was, it was like, should we go was, over this, or are we gonna start crying? Oh my do? god, it was, it was okay. She, so she was like the the daughter of like I guess one of the scientists there, and yeah. he he was like he like really enjoyed her company. They were like friends. Like Mewtwo uh -huh. was just like a nice Pokemon. He just like yeah. didn't want to kill anything, didn't want to hurt anyone. And then like one day, I guess like she just uh, I think she died of like an illness. Yeah. And so they tried to preserve her. They tried her to preserve life, her, her memory in the in a computer program. And then I think the computer program failed, and that's when Mewtwo snapped. It's just, oh man, I, I, I guess maybe just because I just didn't expect Pokemon to be that profound, mm -hmm. I didn't expect uh, that kind of reaction um, watching something like that. And uh, <laughs> but the series as a whole is never does any. Okay, well the first episode does, and then it just hard shifts into just insane Saturday morning cartoon shenanigans. Oh yeah, because this is the first episode is Ash. Where trying to Ash eat. and Pikachu like is unconscious and he has to take him to the Pokemon Center. Yeah, and then there's the which I thought was I mean was pretty dramatic when I first saw it is that the the, the, the close-ups of Ash like in the highly highly detailed um, sketchings. But then you told me that's an anime cliche. It's like, oh really? But it's so effective. But then when you really think about it, if it's an anime cliche, then that's the anime it came from. All the other. You think animes. so? You think that's all, all anime? copied from Pokemon? I mean, Pokemon is a pretty uh, popular franchise. There's probably other anime, like 80s anime, that I'm not really um, familiar with. Yeah. 
but Pokemon does have those typical anime cliches, uh, exaggerated expressions, yeah. stop shots. Um, what, what do you mean by stop shots? Like where they just freeze in the character's face. Oh yeah, yeah, like the like oh oh oh. And superhuman stanima, you know, just like <laughs> just like Ash is trying to save a Pokemon, and all of a sudden the factory explodes and he just gets up and walks. Like all right, cool, you know. It doesn't matter, guys. I'm a duck. Let's go. Let's go. Just there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing. My suit's a little dirty, but you know, I'm good. Yeah, I can still go to the prom. I can still go to the prom. It's okay. It's okay. But uh, I think one episode that everybody re- references all the time is one of their favorites is Go West Me- uh, Young Meowth. The one where he learns how to talk. Um, Which is actually a pretty, really good episode. It's compared to the 50 million that they've made at this point. Um, how about the Hunter and Gasly one? Oh, that's the one I remember the most because that was the first VHS tape we ever had. Oh, I was. I think it was, yeah. Because Ash and Pikachu fucking die. And they go to the afterlife, but in the afterlife, um... They're ghost Pokemon. They're ghost Pokemon, and there's, like, Haunter and Ghastly, and they're playing around in, like, theme parks or something, and then Ash and Pikachu think about their morality, and say, well, I mean, this is all fun and all, but we're still dead. And <laughs> probably, yeah, uh, I didn't, we didn't think about it that deeply as kids is because, oh, they're flying in the air. Like, I probably didn't even think, why are they, like, in a different color than they usually are? Why are they transparent? <laughs> I don't get it. Well, they, they didn't go that Maybe they forgot to color they them. Maybe they, I, well, no, I, I think they were, they think they were, like, like lighter. I think they were, like, lighter, like, yeah. slightly lighter. Yeah. I was like, why did they forget to color them? Yeah. And this is in between, like, Ash, like, facing off against Sabri and I in the, in the previous episode. And he's just like, oh, Ash is just doing that. And I was like, oh my god, he's dead! It was like, oh. And even Pikachu's dead too! It was like, wait, don't they faint? But, um, after Pokemon, we moved on to something darker and more serious. Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> Drop the base. <laughs> what? Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, the one with the cards. The one with the cards. <laughs> oh, with the cards. Yeah, the one with the we cards. Collect, we collected those too, actually. We, no, oh, no, no, no. We, that we, we, did we didn't collect them. We fucking worshipped it. No, like, absolutely. We played absolutely. every fucking day. Every single... That was... I mean, Pokemon was the trend, and then video games... Oh, like... Y- you, video, yours was... Massive um, Enterprise. And then Yu-Gi-Oh! comes along, like, a few years later. And, and then, just beats and the just, shit out of it. For a moment. <laughs> for a moment. And then, and then Yu-Gi-Oh! got too complicated, and then it was... Uh, but um, yours was Dark Magician and mine was I love uh, Dark Magician. Sword Stalker. Yours was Sword Stalker, but wasn't y'all? But didn't we? Didn't we also have a Blue Eyes? Blue Eyes. Oh, White Blue Dragon? Eyes White Dragon. My, yeah. my Blue Eyes White Dragon. I, no, we we took this shit so seriously. For every single card we had, we had a special cover for it. Yeah, we did. And we and we were like, okay, so mine's the gray deck and yours the blue deck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. God, I remember that. I re- that was the first time we actually took preservation of things seriously because we don't take care of our shit. We just don't. My MacBook Air that I bought a, a month ago, still a, a, a year ago, a year ago, excuse me, still has smudges on it. These cards were, were These, more precious. You could fucking eat with them. What? Okay, no, actually, that's a bad analogy. Okay, these cards, you could you couldn't dust them for fingerprints. <laughs> And then at the same time, the series was going on, and that's the one series I'm afraid of revisiting. Because I remember it was really intense, it was really, I mean, it was kind of serious at times, like Joey, the Yugi, the Kaiba, uh, Joey, then it Tristan, was Tristan, Taya, then it was Taya, and then all the minor characters like Bones, Rex Raptor, Weevil, My Valentine, Bandit Keith. Oh, fucking Bandit Keith. I fucking love these names. But I'm still, I'm still really afraid of revisiting that show because... 
does it? I don't know if it holds up. If it still holds up, even though it was one of our childhood shows. I mean, it, it's it's an interesting concept that's pretty much been done to death by now. But oh, definitely. But There's back back. But back then, Yu-Gi-Oh was something different. I mean, it's just like you could say that the Yu-Gi-Oh anime was like something so the cards sell more. But it was really that anime that that even though it did make the cards sell more, it made the game more fun. Oh, absolutely. Because now you weren't just playing cards. Like in your mind, like both, you bring both, the characters, both the, the kids, you were like. I placed down my blue eyes white dragon and in a special case. That fucker comes out of the ground. It's like that fucker is coming out of the car. That's like there close. is no, there is saying no. That my blue eyes white dragon is coming right out. He's on defense mode. Shit up. Also, this is before they do this. They they invented the rule, which I think was a fair rule. But I think when you were a kid. And you and you had to actually like sacrifice one of your monsters in order to put in another one. Oh, Before yeah. that, you could just fucking put your blue eyes like right there. It comes up fucking blue eyes. No, you, you go. No. When the game started, you could just put down like five Exodias at like at one round. Just be like, all right, GG. Yeah, if you really wanted to, just <laughs> just five Exodias. Just all right, game. Get yep, out of here. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all it takes. Um, <laughs> five Exodias, and. Uh, but we, we had two Exodias, didn't we? Or we only had one? No, we only had one. Arm, leg, head, and then it was like... No, we never No, it was... Head. No. We had, the, we had one of the legs. I remember we had one of the legs. Yeah, um, I, th I think we completed it once. I think it was somebody else's. Um, it was it was like um, funny enough. One of our neighbors actually had Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, and I won. I won the first one they ever held. And how the fuck did I do that? I get so nervous. It was just like these things. new kids on the block, and they just got new cards. It's just like let's fucking go. I get my blue eyes. Get out of here, kid. Um, but I actually won that tournament, and then I think I said, "Are oh, you so good? You play professionally?" So I, I I just put cards down, and it, and I won. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> some actually, some people could actually just knew how to strategize. I don't even remember their fucking names. But I do remember I had a good time with them. Um, but uh, but apparently it's actually been 20 years since the series first came out, which makes me feel fucking old. And they're having a movie. And the 20th I'm anniversary excited. movie. Oh my I'm god! I'm excited, but at the same time, though, how do you make Yu-Gi-Oh something two hours? I, I mean, we saw that we saw the first. We, movie we saw we saw the. Wait, there was a Yugi movie. Yeah, there was. There was. And we owned that. Like the Pyramid but we, of Light. we owned the. We also saw that in theaters. We owned the bootleg bullshit edition. <laughs> we owned a lot of bootlegs. Well, in fact, even the Pokemon movie, the HSA, <laughs> was, it was, it was a in Spanish. Movie. It was in Spanish, and then later we got the English. And they were tape like, oh, it's the... in English? Oh. And that tape was red. And it's like, okay, sure. That's cool. It's like, alright, that's cool. <laughs> But yeah, it sticks out. I, I mean, it's coming in Japanese theaters first before it comes out, like in American theaters. Most or is it ever likely. even coming out in American? No, theaters? but it, it said worldwide release like 2016. 2016, yeah. Same year as the the new um the new Toho produced Godzilla movie. Yeah. Holy shit! 2016 is gonna be an incredible year. But um, I think that's enough about our childhood anime, which um was like such a wonderful time in our lives. But when we come back. Our huge, huge discussion about anime begins, and we're going as in-depth as we possibly can in a reasonable amount of time. So stay tuned, everyone. We're going in. We threw Sonic X out the window. Oh, shit!
and we're back. Um, I got a little bit excited during the first segment, so I didn't even explain what we're actually doing today. <laughs> Gary and I have been binging on, and I do mean binging, on a lot of anime series. I forced them to watch anime for six hours straight. In the beginning, like in the winter break, but then you went back to high school, so that meant we would watch like three hours three, of anime four hours. Like every yeah. Saturday, every, every Saturday. So, but I felt like these series were so fascinating to me in comparison to everything and anything else I've seen that we have to talk about them. So let's start with our first one. Nichijou, Nichijou, Nichijou. My Ordinary Life. This series is so goddamn good. I don't want to start off so quickly, but I had a feeling that when Gary sent me these clips of just these really, like, these hilarious segments that I was in for something beautiful, and boy, did I ever get into this one. Actually, the first thing I sent you was the Smoke Weed parody. That was still pretty funny. That was still pretty funny. <laughs> this is the perfect first series for me to start with because so many things happened in the first episode that I said, oh, what? Like, okay, there's, there's a professor, but she's eight years old. The, the, one of the characters gets shot in the face, but they're still alive. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's like, what, what, what? But at some point, Gary just said, shut up and just enjoy the show. And that is, at that point, I think that, that, kind of, that kind of calmed down my initial critical reflexes. Well, that was also the first anime you've ever seen. Well, that's, I mean, it's, I mean, it was the first anime you've ever seen since we were kids. Uh, I've seen One Piece. I've seen, I saw, uh, I saw something called Blood Plus on Adult Swim once. It was weird. It was like this pope, and it was a vampire pope. Mm. It was weird, but um, I mean, Gary, how did you even find out? How did you even find out about Nicky Chow? Uh, YouTube recommendations. I think it was um, when I was watching Lucky Star. I saw it in one of my recommendations. I was like, oh, check this out. And then I just like binge watch clips, and then I just saw the whole series in one day, which is twenty four episodes. What the? In one day? Yeah. It's twenty six episodes. Your point? Nah, not, not, not no point. Essentially, it's like um, it's like um, like slice of life, like Gary said. Like the translation is like, our my ordinary, my ordinary life. My ordinary life. But they structure it in a way that they have like the comedy segments. Like here's a comedy segment. Here's some characters. Here's some more characters. But they keep flanking it with like very beautiful images of just of just Japan in general. Like very beautifully detailed images of Japan and these little tiny segments. It felt like more like a sketch show than like a. a, a it really comedy. is because when you think about Nietzsche Chow, has absolutely no plot at all. Definitely. Uh, there's so many people, there's a few episodes with plot, but it isn't like focused on plot. It's, there's no, there's, there's the only overarching story. And I think we should start explaining some of the characters. Nano, who is Hakase, Hakase is the, the Hakase eight-year-old Hakase is the eight-year-old scientist. She created Nano and Nano is a robot, is a robot, but she's the most adorable robot I've ever seen because she has the, 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 the wire up thing, not the wire up thing. But it's like a, the wind up, the wind, wind up, up toy, wind the up. wind up toy thing Nano on her back. And she actually wants to go to high school. And then when she goes to high school, she interacts with the other three characters, um, Yuko, Mio, and Mai-chan. Mai-chan is my favorite character, one of my favorite characters because she don't give a fuck. <laughs> What the fuck was that? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going with the, I'm going with the flow, man. Oh my just god. Riding, riding. References, references, references. Oh my god. But really, my channel is like the troll of the, the, the three characters. Like the three characters, the other two, like one of them is like a manga artist, and the other one's really stupid. <laughs> no, she's just lazy. Yeah, but she's also a little bit hard-headed. Like she makes a lot of mistakes. But they're all, I mean, I mean, what's they're actually all really relatable characters. 
But one of my favorite scenes, and I, oh, I don't want to spoil it too much, one of the most brilliantly written scenes I've ever seen in any comedy was the 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 Mai Chen, um, Yuko scene. Oh, like such a beautiful scene because there's like this lesbian tension between them, or something that seems like lesbian tension, but that's not really there. It's just Mai Chen being a troll like always. Well the, thing, well, the thing that makes Nietzsche Chow good is, well, the overrated exaggerations. Like, oh, I love it. Overrated is an understatement. Oh. <laughs> but it's also how the the animation style fits in well with all the overrated exaggerations. Like, when um, when they were camping at the in the river, and then they dropped the food, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they just become rockets and yeah. fly through the clouds. And one of the scenes which is probably on YouTube, you can look it up right now, which is like um, Yuko just like um, I don't know, like stabbing herself on a pencil, and so it goes ah, and it's just like <laughs> massive laser up in the air. It's just, oh god, it's just it's beautiful. I do think that there's a few episodes that are a bit slow in comparison, but it's just charming throughout. Like I, I don't want to put too much emphasis on whether or not because it is a comedy essentially and it has to kind of be entertaining most of the time but there's some moments when it can slow down a little bit i i just mean that there's some times when it's it, i think the comedy doesn't work because one scene did that kind of form a comedy better than another scene that's like but i mean if you're watching the whole series like all 26 episodes you start noticing that but even even then, like even Nietzsche Chow's format, they would change it up, and sometimes they would have an opening where where Mio is like this weird magician. Um, uh, I don't know. How would you explain that scene? The, the one in the airship. Oh, random as shit. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. It's just random as shit. And God, I just love Nietzsche Chow so much. Um, the ending. Oh, the ending is beautiful, and it's simplistic, and it it it's um ends the way it does. Like it's it's my my ordinary life. These are my friends, and we care about each other so much. Like it doesn't really have. I, I, I felt like it felt like that was the appropriate way that Nature Chow had, had to end. It's called my ordinary life, but when you really think about it, it really is just an ordinary life. It's just the way that it delivers that ordinary life oh, that yeah. makes it so good to watch. Because yeah. every Nietzsche Chow episode is pretty much nothing. I, I I think one of them was just them passing notes. Ah, but it's so it's and so it's, well and, done. And it's interesting at the same time. So well done. They're just pass. They're literally just passing notes, like just writing on paper, and it's just like, but that's still well done. Yeah. That's what makes Nature Chow so interesting. It's a wonderful series, and I would highly recommend it. Now let's move on to the next one. This fucking show, how the balls, the balls that this show, and we're talking about Lucky Star, the balls that this show in its pilot has the characters talking about food for 22 minutes. Which out of a chunk of cornet is the fat end? Is it the bottom <laughs> end or the top end? Well, I don't know. Is it the top end or the bottom end? Well, like, don't you take off the top end and dip into the bottom end? I don't know. How do you eat your curry? Well, I like to eat my curry with rice and mayonnaise. Like, really? Like, don't don't you like eggs? Well, what, what about some fried eggs on top? You eat fried eggs with mayonnaise? Yeah, doesn't everybody? Like, you eat mayonnaise on everything? Sometimes I put it on curry, too. Just, it's just so good. The first time I saw this series, I knew Gary loved it because he said he had binged it three times. He's seen the series three times before the we saw it the fourth well, time. It's interesting because the first time I saw it, like this is, there's a special spot in my heart for Lucky Star because it's the first anime other than the ones we mentioned in the first segment. Like that was my first anime before yeah. I started all this binging. <laughs> um, 
I knew it was because I had stayed home from school because I had a fever and I was just on my phone and then I was like on YouTube and I don't, e I don't even know what I was watching. I'm seeing my recommendations like Lucky Star episode one. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I looked at it and then as soon as I saw the first episode, at first I was like, what the hell am I watching? But I watched the whole damn series. <laughs> And I had the same the same immediate impulse. I alert alert alert. I don't I don't want to see more. I want to see. But I'm glad I said to it because this is one of the most fascinating comedies I've ever seen. The structure of it, the dryness of all the humor. I love Kona Konata. Is like Konata Yuzumi. Is such a I love her character. She just doesn't. It, what's you you what's know funny her about Lucky Star is that the description. I, I think we found a description once like on. Yeah. Uh, like on a Wikipedia, and it was like, <laughs> Konata Izumi does not want to join any clubs. <laughs> I was like, that's what the anime is about. It's just, it's just that. It's about. And then this but but it, it, it basically follows Konata Izumi, who is a uh, otaku, which is basically someone who plays a lot of video games, play, reads a lot of manga, and watches a lot of anime. And her friends Tsukasa and Kagamin, which are twins, and her and their friend Miyuki-san, who is a very wise girl that we usually eat, that, that has the sweetest voice you'll ever hear in your life. <laughs> Who also takes up two minutes of screen time explaining stuff. She, she took four minutes to explain why your hair gets wet after the beach. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you know, the UV rays, like, okay, we get it. No, let me keep going. Hold on. <laughs> it's just, if I watch a show and I realize, how did they write the script for this? And I have to think about the writing process. You have a good show there. You told me, though, that some people don't like the show. They don't like. Well, the thing is, Lucky Star is popular for the fact that it's one of the first uh, moe animes, mm -hmm. which moe just basically is a slang term in the anime community that means really fucking cute. Now, a lot of people have problems with this because they're like, okay, there's no plot. You're just getting sales off the fact that the character is really cute, which is true. But then it's more like preferences of people, like whether you're like cute shit or you don't. Like there's like you could pretty much say that about any kind of genre, though. Oh, like, definitely. Just stuff that focuses on the physical attributes than the actual story itself. Yeah, and I think that this character, th there is character development in the series, even if you don't see it immediately, because uh, Konata is a very defined character. She, she's a little bit, she's not studious, but she is. Like, she's she's very passionate about very specific things. And uh, Kagami, of Kagami. course, is, is the perfect foil for, for, for Konata. Like, every joke, every... She's strict, but at the same time, she's supportive. Yeah, but and she's not much of a swindere either. No. No, not really. Well, asundere is uh, comes from the Japanese term sun sun and dere dere. Uh, sun sun meaning that someone who is cold and dere dere means someone who loves you. So sundere meaning someone who is acting cold but really inside they love you. Basically, the 26 episodes are pretty much just the four girls. Well, actually, there's four other characters that join. Um, one that is a doujinshi, which is basically manga or custom comics. Um, a doujinshi writer who focuses on lesbians, I guess, too much. And then there's <laughs> Patricia Martin, who, Patricia is, Martin. who, who is just kind of like Konata, an otaku who just came to Japan and is trying to learn about the customs, but really does not know anything other yeah. than anime. Um, <laughs> and then there's uh, Yutaka and Minami, who are basically the... Um, it, you can kind of tell that they like each other, but at the same time, the show doesn't really focus that much on it. What's interesting about Lucky Star is that it's 26 episodes, and it's pretty much just normal high school life, but every single episode is different. Like, it's yeah. true, the first one is about food, and I have no idea what the fuck to say about that. <laughs> but it's it's like they'll have an episode where they just go to a shop, or they're just doing some studying, yeah. or like... It's just normal things, but it you, you wouldn't expect... Um, 
a show like this to be emotional to an extent. But the last episode when they... The second to last episode. The second to last episode, it has a little backstory and it talks about Konata. Because Konata lives with her dad. And uh, all this time I thought, okay, it's just a divorced family or whatever. But episode 25 tells you that Konata's mother actually died uh, shortly after she was born. So there is a part where you will shed a tear. But right after that, it makes you laugh uncontrollably. Oh, it's, 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 no, it's definitely a really sweet moment and it's offset by one of the funniest things because you're thinking, oh man, this is so wonderful and then just, oh, I don't know what I said right there. But essentially, Lucky Star is, is such a, has a style all its own. Like, even, like, every, we've seen a lot of slice of life comedies including Nietzsche Chow, but Lucky Star was able to define itself by its own personality, by its own style and everything else. And I think that's what makes it really special. Even if the first episode is all about fucking food. Which, I gotta meet the writers. I gotta, how did you come up with this idea? How did you come up with this much material about food? I'm just, I'm baffled. I wanna I'm try baffled. a cornet now, though. I do wanna try one, too. It looks delicious. It, but it's literally just like chocolate filled in with bread. <laughs> like, that's all it is. That sounds really good. You know what, Gary? Maybe after maybe after recording this, we can... Go buy go, some cornets. Let's go get some cornets, yeah. Let's sounds good. Let's buy some cornets. Yeah. Alright, let's move on to the next one. Okay, um, don't say it, Gary, because I'll say it. I was going to give up on this series because the main character makes squid puns. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you have a squiddle problem with that? I had a squiddle problem with that, but I got incorporated. Ink, ink, ink. I couldn't think of anything else. You gotta um, be inking me. In Ika Musume, or Squid Girl, the invader from the be beyond... From the sea? What's from the beyond title? the sea. From beyond the sea. From beyond the sea. It's just such an adorable, adorable series of a character named Squid Girl who invades who invades the mainland and fails at it miserably. But then we find out she's actually a really sweet character with a heart of gold. Yeah. The first episode, you, you see how she almost tries to conquer it, but then she starts off with this little restaurant. Like it's like, I guess it's like a diner. It's a shack. It's a shack. Yeah, it's a shack, it's a shack. Like right by the beach. It's a shack. Yeah, in the beach actually, um, and she tries conquering it, and it's it's just like a little, it's just people eating there. And she just like steps on the table and be like, "Humans, bow down, as I'm going to <laughs> conquer your whole planet." And then like she just gets like slapped down, just like. Pfft. Just like, right, oh. by Chizuru, who may or may not be human. Yeah, Ch Chizuru is an interesting. Um, the four characters, no, like seven characters. There's a lot of characters. There's uh, little, Ika, there's the Ika Musume, the squid girl. There's Takeru, the little brother of the family. Then there's Eiko, the, the, the older, older sister. sister. And then there's Chizuru, the older, older sister, who is superhuman because she has superhuman senses, uh, super speed, which you would think that that would ruin the series, but it's more like she doesn't really do anything unless... Yeah. Unless Squirtle Girl's trying to invade the world It's trying again. to invade the world so she's again. Trying to, she's trying to preserve the balance of, of, of <laughs> human life, really. And she doesn't take, also doesn't really take advantage of her abilities. She's also usually... Well, she's not a background character. She's usually just cooking. Yeah, usually she just cooks. She's just cute and she cooks and she has her eyes closed and she never opens them. And when she does open them, run for your fucking life. Run as far as you need to. Um, there's Sanae, who is an interesting character to be introduced to. She loves Squid Girl. That's loves. an understatement. <laughs> okay, th this, this girl, like dressed up squid girl and just took pictures like just just looked at like over 200 pictures of her then there's an episode when she tries to get over squid girl and she looks like a meth addict trying to delete all of these pictures 
just, she's like, it's just like she has a nervous breakdown, just snaps. Um, there's Cindy, the scientist, and then the three guys from MIT who always like to remind you that they're from MIT. MIT. Their, their purpose in the show is that they create a lot of stupid inventions that are made so they can uh, capture Ika Musume because they think that she's an alien, so they're like, all right, let's study her. And when they mean study, they're going to fucking digest her. Dissect her. Dissect. That's the word. <laughs> Fuck. It's close enough. You're doing. Yeah, they both have S's. Is exactly. Um, there's Nagisa who's afraid of Squid Girl. There's Goro the the tough the tough lifeguard swims swimsuit swimsuit model. <laughs> the tough lifeguard. I, I already said lifeguard. You didn't need to add in swimsuit. Kill me. No, I'm not doing that. Not today. Um. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> I don't mean that. Um, what I do need to say about this series is that it's really cute, and I loved it, but I didn't remember much about it. I actually remember the characters more than the series as, as a whole, I should say. I don't know if you agree with this assessment. What do you mean? Well, I think that like there's very specific episodes, but I don't. I didn't remember the specific episodes. Like, I don't even... I mean, I, I, if I, I, re- I remember... point them out, then I remember them. I don't remember them by their numbers because Ikamasame episodes are split into two. So, like, yeah. one episode actually has, like, three There's episodes. Three yeah. So, in total, there's actually, like, six, no, like, 72 episodes. Yeah, kind of like the way that a Nickelodeon show does it. But they're all, like, nine minutes each, so. Yeah, seven minutes each. Seven minutes seven each, minutes. Yeah, but I, I felt like, like, it was still, like, a really fun show to watch. Like, it was just kind of seeing, like, how, the ways that Squid Girl, I mean, this is a literally a fish-out-of-water show. So we start, we see Squid Girl trying to interact with like, with everybody. Like, at first she's trying to conquer it, but then she's like, well, maybe I'll integrate into society here and I'll see what's going on. And there's, like, a, an adorable episode where she just discovers an umbrella and just tries to play around with the umbrella. And then what happens to the umbrella? It gets, it gets run over. <laughs> <laughs> she drops it and it gets run over. And she, and she like, cries like her old friend died. Uh, and then there's, um... The mini Squid Girl segments. I don't... No, Dear they're they're good, God. but they're fucking horrible at the same time. Where because the, the first segment was when she meets Eiko, she finds uh-huh. Iko Musume in a jar, yeah. and it's this whole adventure of like Eiko growing up, and yeah. then she dies right I, there. Yeah. On the... I don't know why it is about anime, but they can heart shift into drama so quickly, so nicely, so beautifully. That, that, that's like a beautiful short film like in and of itself a little bit understandable and then there's a narration at the end which says squid girls can live to 150 I can tell she still looks the same when Aiko's 70 years old I know you don't have to tell me this I know I know squids can live on 250 years <laughs> fuck man I get it I get it alright it's I you, you can just put the characters in any situation possible and you still get a really good show. I may not remember the specific episodes, and I think there's a few we didn't get to mention, unfortunately. But if that you take away the characters, then that shows that you made a good show. Mm-hmm. But um, I will mention briefly, I'm disappointed in Squirtle Girl because she sponsors um, motorboats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember, I, I, I remember when I showed you that. I was like, hey, you want to buy some Ikamu Samaritanist? He was like, yeah. And I, I was just like fucking with him. And I go to like a, the Japanese site of like the official website. And it's like an ad for Motorboss. I was like, here. I was like, you fucking piece of oh, shit. Ikamu Samaritanist, you, you can swim at a really high speed. You don't, need, you don't need to be on a boat. What are you doing? Oh. And it's just like plastered on her uniform. Oh. <laughs> just like, Alright, let's move on to the next one.
Our next one is Yuri Yuri, and I'm gonna try not to say as much because I'm gonna overhype the series way too much. But I'll say this: I love, 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 love the series. The first um, collection of anime we saw, nothing but comedies. This is by far the best comedy we saw out of all four. Disclaimer: No, Yuri Yuri translated means easygoing lesbians. Hold on, hold on. Let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. Okay, okay. Yes, but I think that. I mean, they are le lesbians. They're, they're middle schoolers, but it's not. It's not sexualized in any way, shape, yeah. or form, other than uh, one of the characters, Shitose, who is a gray <laughs> girl, and she is uh, known by um, by the internet as the grandma. <laughs> the grandma. <laughs> Actually, is I, her I, yeah. Well, her hairstyle. She has gray hair, and basically her whole personality as a whole. She has like this really low tone voice, uh, and she's actually, just like so sweet. Huh, and I, and, and I think that. in the anime they even called her. She looks like a grandma once they described her like that. I didn't even pick up on that. And uh, her problem is that she has no nosebleeds frequently when she, she fantasizes off, about her friends. She takes off her glasses. When she takes off her glasses. And that's pretty much the only time the the show gets lewd in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think that this is really restrained and uh, all the characters are really well defined and I'll name them because I love the show so much, I'll be the one to name the characters. There's Akari, my favorite anime character, Ikumuzume is a close second. Um, Toshino Kyoko, who is this? What? Gary? She's. <laughs> I don't. Fun? No, I, she's I, fun loving. How do I describe she's, her she's with one random. word? She, there is, I don't think there is. Like, you could just go. Random, I think, maybe the, way the closest word you could find. She's rum raisin. She's the rum raisin? <laughs> there's uh, Yui, who's the, a bit of the mother of the group, who's responsible, mature. And then there's, uh, and there's Chinatsu, who is. Well, I mean, she looks really cute, but she's got horrible things going on in that brain of hers. She she ha she basically has a crush on uh, Yui, who she refers to as Yui Senpai. Pretty much, in a theme pretty much, song, pretty much in... every single time she says the name. <laughs> um, well, actually, the word senpai basically means that someone you look up to. So I made the mistake of thinking that meant you're like an older. Older brother, older sister. I mean, it. No, I mean, it technically does, but it's like senpai is a complicated term because it means it does mean someone who's older than you, but at the same time, it's someone you look up to. That's the implied term, which is most commonly used in mm -hmm. anime. So the thing with Shinatsu is she has a crush on Yui, but this girl needs help immediately be, be, because her crush on Yui is to the point where she will try to do anything to even get her attention. Yeah. Like, if you tell her to do something, she'll say no because she really likes doing her own thing. But if you say, oh, but Yui wants you to do this, she'll do that and more. Yeah, in the episode we saw, um, to kind of recap what we felt about every series, she takes care of, of Yui's um, cousin, like her little tiny cousin, just because cause she thinks, oh my god, if Yui sees I'm... <laughs> You're, you're so good with children, let's get married. <laughs> and then there's the other characters, Ayano, who is, is also one of my favorites. Toshino Kyoko! Toshino Kyoko! And um, we already mentioned... Um, we made it, we Chitose. Chitose. Uh, Himawari and Sakuraku, who are... I think they are in love with each other. They're, they're they probably the only rivalry. canon relationship in the entire series. Oh, really? Because you can tell that they do have feelings for each other, but they just can't admit it themselves. Yeah, and I think we, we tried t talking about... Because of the title, it kind of feels like, oh man, do I should I watch a show like this? When I first showed it to him, he didn't want to watch it at all. 
because yeah. the first scene is Kyoko peeping on Yui. <laughs> it's like pulling up her gush. Let's see what's up here, and then Yui kicks her, <laughs> kicks her in the face. Um, I think it's just it's just the humor was just so out out there from anything else I'd ever seen. But of course we have done something like that every once in a while. We thought about it. We thought about walking up the stairs and seeing somebody's pants. I mean, I mean, it's not socially acceptable to say that, but we, we've had the thought, at least. The only character who's really perverted in the show is really just Kyoko and Chitose. Like, the rest characters are pretty much just normal. The perverted in a sense. In I their think own even, even sense. In that, it's like, yeah. she, she just does whatever she wants, but she's not overwhelming about it. Occasionally, she can actually be pretty reasonable. And there's actually a really, again, again, comedies sometimes that gets hard-shifted into drama and do it so well. The episode when Kyoko loses her personality. Oh, yeah. That's a beautiful episode because you start noticing how, what, how... Well, one, you notice what the dynamic of the characters are. Akari was one of those fascinating characters because... Who? Akari. Wait, what? She's the main character, but then she is not the main character. Uh, I'm trying to... Yeah, uh, that doesn't she's ring the, a bell. She's the, she's the red, pink hair, red hair girl with the buns. The buns are missiles. Oh, uh, yeah, I, 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 think I, got, I think I got an idea. Poor Akari, who doesn't get any respect in the series, and is pretty much known as the character who's in the background, who's trying to have more presence. I don't think I've ever seen a character like that. Well, the main character is not a main character at exactly, all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And Akari's just such a sweet character, and, and it's just, I really relate to her, her dilemma of not being not being the center of attention. But I mean, even beyond that, I just Yuri, Yuri the, the comic timing of Yuri Yuri is just so on point. The jokes are they always land, always land, and just it just fills me with so much happiness. It's just such a delightful, wonderful, wonderfully written series that it, I just don't want to go further than that because I feel like I'd be overhyping it. I love it. I just absolutely love it. You, me, you, la, da, 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 you, da, you, da, you, da, 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 you, da, you, da, you, da, you, da, 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 you, you, da, you, da, you, well, we finished up those series, but in the next segment, we're going to continue our anime extravaganza and talk about and talk about more anime. So stay tuned. Seven eight o'clock central. Seven eight o'clock central. Yep. What? We'll be right back. And we're back, so I don't know. Let's just move on to the next series. Canera Mosaic. Uh, Canera Mosaic basically follows the story of Karen Kujo and her friend Alice, who are from the UK and they come over for Japan for the first time. And not only is it funny in English, but if you understand Japanese, it's actually funny as well. Because only if you understand the language, you can tell that Alice and Karen actually speak broken ass Japanese. And they use des a lot. Like, I mean every sentence. I didn't even notice that. Well, of course I didn't notice it because I always read the subtitles. Yeah. 
Um, That's interesting. And uh, Karen and Alice meet their two friends who are... Bi- no, three friends, actually. Uh, Shino, who Alice actually has a... Well, not... It's like an established relationship, but it's not really because you can tell they really, really do care about each other. Like yeah. one time they were playing uh, a game where you're supposed to say a different word every single time. And, and the first thing they started with was blonde, chair, uh, book, uh, pencil, Alice, Shino, Alice, Shino, Alice, Shino, Alice, Shino, Alice, Shino, Alice, Shino, Alice, Shino. Oh, it's so adorable. Um, oh, it's so adorable. <laughs> The two others, Aya, Aya, and Yoko, who Aya is uh, pretty much a sundere, yeah. sundere of the series because you can tell that she has a uh, sort of evoked feelings towards Yoko, but she can't really show them. Yeah. And Yoko is dense as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and Karen is the interesting character because she just wants to have fun. Like, she's also dense in a sort of way, but at the same time, she just, like, does what she wants. Also, she's filthy rich yeah she is she is i mean in one episode she has a giant she brings a giant rv so so just so they can go on a hike so this is going on a hike oh and she went to hawaii for two days oh she went to hawaii for a weekend and And she's like you know it doesn't matter just toured around the sand a little bit and collected some sand just took it home it doesn't matter Kanemo's Egg is just such a such a delightful little series. Um, it's only 12 episodes it's like the most innocent it's a slice of life so it 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 doesn't really have a plot, but like for these type of anime, it doesn't really need to. No, not really. And this includes my favorite scene in all in all of anime. The time, the, just everything about the scene is perfect. They're going on a camping trip, and Alice, Shino is wearing this ridiculous this ridiculous dress that makes her look like she's from the 1850s. And she's like walking, and she's like stepping rocks with with. Um, like she's skipping rocks with not skipping rocks like she's j- jumping on rocks on the river and she slips and falls and then it's just like this really nice music this, that feels kind of like it's like it should be like uh, like with the, like with a slideshow or something and out of nowhere just Alice the music stops and Shino pops up from <laughs> it's the most <laughs> it's the most I, I don't even know how to describe the expression just like just blank and, and, and Alice is like Shino Shino it's just so beautiful. Uh, it's it's just I I wish I had more to say about it. It's just it's just a really, really it, it's series. it's it's basically an anime that is cute in its own way. It's it it's well, slice of life kind of follow the same formula to an yeah. extent, but Canary Mosaic is interesting because even if it's funny if you understand the language and if you don't, but at the same time each episode is different. Like even though there's a beach episode or maybe they go on a hike or maybe they're just in school. The key points of the series is Karen's reactions, the relationship between Shino and Alice, which sometimes becomes so stupid to the point it's funny. <laughs> like uh, Shino just basically has like a really attractiveness to anything blonde. Like any, like, like, like they, they, they were studying class, and then she pulls out a magazine. And it's just all blonde, <laughs> just like all blonde people. And Kinyura Mosaic basically it, it, it gives you that it, it's it's a comfy anime. It's an anime that you can just be like, oh, you come home and you just like watch Kinyura Mosaic, and you just like you just enjoy what you're watching. But I I remember Shino and Alice. They're like the most adorable anime characters, and and it's just the, and, and it's really cute to see how much they really care. Well, not just care about each. I think they do love each other legitimately. But it's not overdone. Like it's not like. What, what's amazing about how much restraint um, anime has, because you always expect, okay, these guys are clearly in love with each other, we're going to see them kiss in the end. You never get that moment. But I think it makes it 
better that you don't get that moment. Because then it feels like the relationship really matters that much. It's not just something for the audience. It's about these characters who care about each other, and that's what that's what it really means. And then including the other characters as well. I mean, they're all they're all friends, and it's it's just nice. It's like cotton candy. Now let's move on to a series which I would probably describe more like eating a cockroach in comparison. Holy fucking mother of cringe. <laughs> Holy fucking mother of cringe. Watamote. I'm not even I'm not even gonna try to do the Japanese title because it literally translates to it's not my fault that you guys think I'm unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> this this is as close as I've seen to a Japanese Kirby enthusiasm. In terms of the kind of cringe series, I feel like your butt's twitching in your seat is like oh my oh my god. The series stars um, Tomoko, I don't remember her last name. Tomoko Kuroki. Thank you, Gary. Who is probably the, the most likable character, but then that's among the, all the other extremely unlikable characters. Her brother's a fucking asshole. Her mother is... Her, her mother's her mother. But then all of the students in her high school are all shallow, empty-headed jackasses. But poor Tomoko just wants... She wants to be, she wants to be popular. She wants to be accepted by everyone. And every approach to doing this is... Always wrong. It pretty much describes almost perfectly what social anxiety is. Absolutely. Yeah. The series basically follows Tomoko just trying to have a normal high school life. And yeah. even on her first day of school, she can't even get to school because she's so damn nervous that she throws up in an alley. <laughs> like, she tries so hard to be accepted and everything just goes horribly wrong. Yeah. But it's not like it's something that's like unnatural. It's like, oh, all of a sudden she just gets punched out of nowhere. It's like, no, these are like things that like happen normally. And there's always that part where it splits into two scenes and it's Tomoko when she is outside and Tomoko when she is inside. And she can never get that thought that she tries to like have, like just saying hi or thank you. Like she can't even, she can't even fathom to begin how to, how hard it is mm. to just say a simple word. Right. And her insecurity becomes more apparent when she sees her old friend from, from middle school who transferred, Yu-chan. She has a complete look. First, she's kind of, she kind of had a similar style. She had like a bit of a goth style, but then she comes back and she has bigger breasts and she's more, she's beautiful. Yu-chan has a boyfriend and Tomoko like dreams every day of, of having someone just even touching her, like touching her hand or something. That's why she plays a lot of dating sims. She, yeah, she does. And when I say that her brother's an asshole, I'm trying to say that this is supposed to be a character, I get he's a teenager, and I get he's supposed to be unapproachable, but my god, you can't be this unapproachable, you can't be this inhumane, you can't be this delusional. He's just, I know, I know, there's one episode where he's okay, and that episode is when Tomoko um, kind of spends her summer just kind of screwing around the house and is kind of, an, is, is kind of the brat, and her, and her brother has a job. That's it, that's the only nice thing he does, is he has a job. Good for you, asshole. Good for you. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something there. No, no, that clap killed me. <laughs> okay. It's just when he's it wasn't even a full clap. He doesn't even deserve a full clap, it's just like she doesn't have a system of support. She has nobody else. She gets somebody else that could well, there's Yu Chan and then there's like the I don't know who the character was, the one that she meets like in the last two episodes. Mmm. Kind of I don't remember her name. She's, she's the president of the student council. Yeah, she but, is. Yeah, but I forgot yeah. her name as well. But that's that's all she has. Like nobody else is approachable, 
and they're all and I already said I already said what I said they're like typical I don't want to say typical high schoolers but like the typical stereotypical depiction of high schoolers and I hate them all so much I completely get where Tomoko's coming from I completely I, I can sympathize so much with her with her situation even if I didn't grow up with that kind of anxiety what first made me watch this anime I think this was this was like the fourth anime I ever saw because I saw Lucky Star then I saw Yuri Yuri and then I saw Kinema Zig and I saw all these slice of lives comedies and I was like what Tomote oh that looks interesting and I was like what the fuck am I watching <laughs> Just like this is just so cringeworthy. Holy shit! It's but every time I saw a review or read an article on it or whatever, it was like it was always talking about people how relatable it was. Mm-hmm. Like Tomoko's struggles, Tomoko's experience, like that happens to people in everyday life. All of like eating with all the other kids. Like yeah. one of the scenes, like Tomoko likes to eat in the bathroom alone because yeah. she feels safer there. Yeah, and she's also kind of uh, an otaku because she plays games all night and she's always on That's the internet. That's the only place where she feels kind of kind of acceptance. Like she gets fantasies. She dreams about the characters in the visual novels talking to her and saying, "Tomoko, you're so beautiful." And that's because it's uh, it's it's like a goal that she can never reach because she just can't. Even in the finale, this isn't an anime that's like, oh, happily ever after. Now Tomoko can like hug everyone. She's popular in school. It's like, no. Like, she has grown a bit, but she still can't even say hi. She she can say hi, but she still can't do simple things that every person can do, like ordering a cup of coffee at a store. And that that's what what's what um made me like Watamoto the most. It wasn't like a happy ending kind of anime. It was a realistic one. Definitely. Also, this is me trying to pronounce it. I'm not even joking how long this title is. Watashi ga motenai no wa dokukanete mo omawera ga awarai. Yeah. That's a long title. And that, 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 yeah, I was really hoping Tomoko would finally like befriend the student council president and the wind has to blow up her skirt and Tomoko has to run away. Like, oh my god, no, no, no. And it has the theme song in the back. Oh, the theme song is beautiful. It's a really, I really like it. it I, 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 think, I think I, you showed it to me the first time I felt like, the first time you showed it to me, I thought it was kind of cheesy, but I, it, it grew on me. Not the series, I mean the, the theme song. And then it ends with the most bizarre. I guess just because every anime just has to have two different music styles or something. But the ending theme is like, and it's like so. It's more happy. It's so I guess it's, just because it counteracts all the cringe that we have just seen, and yeah. it's a really cute sequence. It's like she's walking, and then there's self and there's smartphones. You push the self smartphone away, and sometimes that smartphone. It's really cute. Nothing like the rest of the series. Really interesting. Really interesting. Really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the next one. No Game, No Life. Oh, hey, another anime you didn't take seriously. Yeah, it starts off with Sora and... Um, Shiro. Shiro. Shiro is the little sister of Sora, and they're basically one of the best gamers on the planet. Like, these people are so good, they play with their feet to relax. <laughs> and But they're also neat, which uh, stands for not educated, not employed, or in training. So basically, they just stay home. And the first, the first line in the anime is like, hey, what time is it? It's like 8 be like oh it's pretty late then we should probably go to bed nah not for a neat and the first series basically shows how they're really good at games and they excel and then they're challenged to a single chess match uh, i think i think my, one of my favorite quotes is chess is as easy as tic-tac-toe something like that <laughs> 
No, ch- no, chess is no different than tic-tac-toe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Shiro is basically the brains of the group, and Sora is more of the social, social, PR, so- social skills. Person. Yeah. He has really good social skills, yeah. but he's also confident, he's also brazen. confident and psychologically advanced himself. And maybe a little perverted too. He's a teenager hormones yeah and uh, when they're challenged to this game of chess and they finally win but it's after like 12 hours or something <laughs> um they get brought into this world um by a god named tet who basically says that this is a new world where uh dying is prohibited robbing mugging etc etc and there are 10 rules you need to follow which i can't remember at the moment there's, there's 10 but basically all all of the world's conflicts all of your problems all of your discussions are solved with games you both pledge something that are of equal value and whoever wins gets both those values yeah. and before you create a game you say Ashente, Ashente. Which, which basically means that you uh agree or like yeah. let's go or etc and No Game No Life is interesting because when I first showed it to him, it gets etchy at first. Like, a little. Like the, the first episode has a shot what of... What does etchy mean, Gary? Etch, oh, etchy basically means slightly sexual, but nothing really that bad. Like, it's not, because like you, if you open the random magazine, you'd probably find worse stuff, but I, still. I, no, no, it gets pretty more etchy later on. It, it does, but not like... To, not, not to an excruciating... But, but like, that's the thing. Like, even lot. though it's etchy, it doesn't do anything to the series that much. Like, there is, um... There are really etchy scenes that are... It's mostly done for comedy, though. Yeah, it's mostly done for, like, the comedy factor. But, like, that's not what the show's about. No Game No Life is such a psychological mind fuck <laughs> that you don't know what's going on until you hear that triumph music. Like, you're just guessing the whole damn game. My initial problems with the show were first with the characters, that they, they always win, so, okay, where's the drama? Where's the where's any of the suspense? Oh, yeah, the... the... But what I was trying to explain is that, you know, for some people, and I don't mean to put wrestling into this, but I've been watching a lot of wrestling, so, lol, John Cena wins. The problem people have may have is what <laughs> lol john cena wins that's just that's just it's like a joke on the internet that you put the wrestler and he competes against somebody and he always wins and that means that that's not interesting but like gary said because they become the king and queen they become the king and queen of, of uh, imanity I- imanity okay so basically um there are 16 races in this world yeah. and they're all ranked from like uh the best yeah. like that'll they'll kill you with looking at you mm-hmm. and then it's like the people who are just pretty much human yeah and Sora and Shiro, because they're human, they get caught in with humanity. And the whole series is basically about how they're trying to prove that humans are not worthless. And Sora's quotes and what's on his t-shirt is, I love humanity. And how humanity is not something to be doubted on yeah. or uh, undermined. So basically, all these games, all these discussions, how they're trying to conquer more and more lands through these challenges... Um, it's basically them trying to show that humans are not worthless right. facing against gods themselves and beating them. Yeah. But even though you know they're gonna win, it's still it's still really engaging. It, it still took it, it still took me by surprise because of one. You see the extent of the games that are played. Like there's the game in the episode we watched recently. It was like they were going to get uh, they went against Jibril and. Jibril. Jibril, and they were telling if you say a word, then it disappears or it appears there. Or, no, it disappears. If you say a word, if it doesn't exist already, then it'll appear, and if it does exist already, then it'll disappear. Yes, and that was really tense. But then in another episode, there's an episode where they're doing this, we like this, um, this um, shooter simulator or something, and that's a two-parter. 
And then there's another one where the theme song ends and Shiro's all alone. And so, what the fuck happened? And then it, it, it just keeps It keeps you more. guessing until you hear that triumph music. Like, yeah. you, will, you will not be able to tell what's going to happen next just by like the first 10 minutes. Which makes it a really compelling series to watch. Even if ultimately you do realize Blank. Blank never loses. Blank never loses. And there is even a bit, a bit of character development because... Uh, the first time you see Shiro all by herself, you see, like, I don't know what to do with myself because my brother is my life. That would make more to me, actually. At first, you kind of think of Shiro as just someone who just sits in the background who just kind of lets Sora be her mouthpiece, but then you see her all by herself, and then she has to she has to find the strength within herself to figure out what happened to her brother. It's really... It, it took me by surprise. And 12 episodes only... But it set up so much in the last episode. Oh, the fucking cliffhanger of cliffhangers. Shameful. There must be more. Uh, honest, series. honestly, this is the only anime that, if you wanted to continue it, you should definitely read the manga. It, how far does it go? Uh, it goes. How far has it gone so far? It has like ten volumes, I think. Cause wow. like there's even like new characters and oh. new challenges mm -hmm. and. Like, honestly, the, the, when, when, when I saw the 12th episode, like, when I was alone, it was probably, like, 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Um, and then I see Sora, like, challenging one of the gods, and I was like, oh, this is gonna get good. And then I see, like, in black, and it's like, uh, now the games begin. And then the video just ends, like, what the fuck was that? Like, it, the 12th episode ends on literally, like, what you would think would be a commercial break. Yeah. It wasn't very popular because it aired really late in like in Japan, mm -hmm. so it wasn't able to really get that much of an audience for a second season, which sucks. But the manga is definitely worth reading. Yeah, and uh, it took me by surprise. So just because lol blank wins doesn't always mean that it's not the most investing and mindfucky anime that you can think of. But then again, the next one's also pretty mindfucky. The melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. I knew I was going to do something special because I was hooked from the very first episode and immediately told Gary I need to see more of this. The premise is essentially that Haruhi Suzumiya is a one-of-a-kind girl who has the power to change the universe without her knowing about it. I'm bored! <laughs> but she says that a lot too, and, and she can be a bit of, it, of an overwhelming character because of how... I mean, you can you can respect her, her enthusiasm for everything, but she's also kind of pushy, kind of... <laughs> but she's ambitious! Um, but, I mean, aside from all that, Kiyoni is, is the main character, and he's the narrator, and this is when I just noticed monologuing a bit more in the anime, because he monologues a lot. And we also have um, Koizumi, who is an esper, who, who tells uh, Kion about the potential life-changing abilities that Karaki Suzumi has. There's a Mikuru, who is really adorable, but um, is also a time traveler. <laughs> and, there's finally, and there's finally Yuki Nagato, who is... What is she exactly? She is a collection of data compiled into a human-like form. Uh, technically an alien, but not, not really. really. Not really. I don't even think she counts as life. 
So Yuki Nagato is uh, basically an android of a sort sent by the data in data integrated thought industry that we don't really know what they are, but basically they control all the data in the universe and yeah. all the universes combined. And they sent Nagato down on Earth uh, to observe and survey Hari Suzumiya because she has the power that exceeds any god that has ever existed, but she doesn't know it. And she shouldn't know it because if she does, then it changes. Then she could potentially change the entire universe to her very, to her very whim. And with someone with her character who is always trying to get things going, um, whether it be her. And it's funny because um, even the very existence of those three, who just sound like really outlandish characters, could even be a part of Suzumiya herself. Because she's looking for. Because even she says when she's creating the SOS Brigade, which is the club that she creates in high school, she says, "I want to look for time travelers, espers, and aliens." And then suddenly these characters join the club, and it's just a very, very suspicious. And the, and the ways that they kind of keep playing around with the premise of, of you know, trying to calm Haruhi Suzumiya down. There's one episode though when they when they when they don't fail, but it's more like it's more like out of control what her boredom is, and she creates a closed space which 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 in which Kion and Haruhi are transported into this realm that's completely lacking color, and then these giant. Um, loose Shinjins, Shinjins um, appear out of nowhere and smash are smashing up the world. But Haruki is so enraptured by the fact that oh my god, this is so weird and different. Like I, I love this, and Kion has to try to find a way to get them back into their own reality. And there's just constantly there's constantly this tension in everything that happens because you always think if I do something wrong, Haruki's going to change the universe. But then there's like a few episodes that also kind of have fun with the premise. Like there's an episode when Haruhi uh, creates a baseball team because she feels like making a baseball team. But if they lose, then she destroys the universe, <laughs> or she creates another closed space and destroys the universe. And it is. This... And then there's another episode when they're in a mansion, and Haruhi might have created a serial killer. No, well, basically the whole premise is that Koizumi has uh, his corporation, which we don't really get a name of, actually. Not really. He just says my corporation. Yeah. My, um, yeah, my con Conrads. Yeah. Conrads. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> that was really cheesy. Fucking shit. How, uh, how his corporation basically uh, gets him to create these situations that he, they think that Haruhi would find interesting and then she would uh, occupy her time with. And one of them is that he goes to a mansion which apparently just completed building like two days ago. And apparently they just happen to know someone who could take him to an exerted island. And apparently they just happen to know uh, two people who uh, happen to be having an argument by the time they are there. But you know. It's coincidence. Don't, don't, it's coincidence. Don't worry. Um, but um, they they basically create a fake serial killing case that they want Haruhi to find out who the killer was, but they don't tell her. So it's more like Haruhi is so bored that anything interesting that happens, she wants to find out the cause of it. Yeah. Now because Haruhi was actually taking it seriously and she actually found out why the killing was a fake and etc. Yeah. Um. And by the end of the episode, they noticed when um, they noticed outside that there was actually someone there. Yeah. So at that point, you notice that Haruhi can change the world and its inhabitants without her knowing. Yeah. Because she was trying to solve the murder case, she eventually created a scenario where an actual serial killer was left on the island. Yeah. Though in the entire series, we never find out about any of that. Or yeah. go back to the island, or ever hear from the people ever again. <laughs> so they do drop. They do drop a lot of premises, and they just kind of 
they they, they they come around every once in a while but uh, i don't i don't know what's really great about this anime is the characters kion is basically someone who monologues and he tries to deal with Haruki. the other three are basically they're there to serve Haruki. like if they if they know that if she gets pissed the universe is basically fucked yeah but kion even though he knows of this, he still tries to control her. Like he knows, no, it's not control. Not not control, but keep her in line. Like show her that. Show her some humility. Show her some respect. That just doing whatever she wants is not okay. And Mikuro Asahina is a time traveler who is really cute. She's really shy, and uh, she basically does whatever Haruki says. But she's also very important to the story. Yeah. Then there's Koizumi the Esper, who basically also does what Haruki says, but it's always so calm about it. Like, like I, Koizumi is the type of person that if someone just got shot, he would just be like, oh, that well, You know, the bullet trajectory just entered into the into his left chest, and then he fell over. But you know, the universe just works in such interesting ways that he was probably destined to get shot by that bullet. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this happened. What, what makes the series um, so interesting to watch is that it just, you never know what's gonna happen next. You always know that the general premise is, okay, Haruhi is crazy. I'm bored. I'm bored. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do stuff that might destroy the universe, and Kion always has to be, is pretty much assigned to keep Haruhi in line and make sure that she, that she doesn't change the universe. And... This premise goes to its 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 absolute extreme in one of the most fascinating television experiments I've ever seen, and this is called The Endless Eight, in which, in the first episode, we're setting up that, okay, we're having a it's summer vacation, we're having fun, it's two weeks, it gets to the end, and, and it's all good. Next episode, it starts all over again, and Keon starts noticing, wait a minute, we've done all this before, everything seems familiar. And then it does it again. And then again, and then again. For eight episodes. For eight episodes. But I think this is so fascinating because people were pissed off when South Park, in the second season premiere, they were going to say, okay, who killed Cartman's dad? And instead they have a Terrence and Phillip episode. But think that, but for eight weeks. Yeah, because when you keep in mind to the actual Japanese broadcast in 2006, the people who were watching the show, they were like, okay, so this is, uh, I guess, like a beach filler episode, uh, or to an extent, all right, this is interesting, but what's coming next week? And then it's the same episode. So the Endless 8 is special in the way that not only is it showing that, um, you know, it's showing how Kiona is experiencing the same thing over and over again, but it's also the viewers themselves. Yeah. You're feeling like Kiona. You've seen the same episode eight times, but at the same time, each episode is different in its own little way. It makes like some, like some episodes of the Endless 8 focus more on like airplanes or on distance or on space. Others are more like just like about people, like what people say and their clues or something. And this is a fascinating experiment, but it does get excruciating. And two of the episodes are pretty much throwaways that don't have that much interesting things about them that make them worth watching. But just seeing the same the same script set in so many different ways with so many different variants that the camera angles are different. It's such a fascinating narrative experiment that it makes you really think a lot about storytelling, how effective storytelling can be, how 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 it can change around. As 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 somebody who wants to be in production, it's a fascinating. It was a fascinating thing to watch. Even though it is called the Otaku Test, which is, are you willing to watch all eight episodes and not just skip to the very end when you actually figure out what's going on? And I, 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 I watched all eight episodes at first, and it took it, it took him an hour to decide. He, he just like got up from the chair and he was just like, well, <laughs> eight episodes, twenty minutes each. That's gonna be like three hours. Um, we watched two episodes 
you didn't tell me what was going on, and then you realize, okay, are you ready? Do you want to take the otaku test? And I thought about it, and I thought, sure. And I, I, I think I don't regret doing that, because I think not many other people would... I think if you want to go into production, this is a really important thing for you to watch. Because it shows you a lot about storytelling, but nobody else needs to watch those episodes. The Endless Eight. The Endless Eight is very special though because it's called the Endless Eight because it focuses on Yuki Nagato's personality. Yuki Nagato is basically a character that her personality is antisocial. She only speaks in short words, and she doesn't really have a lot of emotion to her, a lot of personality to her. She is able to control data with her own mind, with her own ability and alter the universe, even the laws of physics. However, because Nagato isn't even classified as life and almost an android made of pure data, every time Kyon goes to the same day and forgets something at the end of the day, because it's a sequence of two weeks, because Haruhi feels that summer isn't fulfilled enough, so she repeats it every single time. However, every single time she repeats it, everyone's memories are wiped, except for Nagato. And Nagato experiences the same two weeks, 15,499 times. I'm glad you mentioned Yugi Nagato, actually, because now we can move into the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya, which is um, the only film that we'll be talking about today. Where Yugi Nagato actually becomes a, a, a very primary character in this film, and we actually get a huge aspect of personalities that, are, that weren't quite um, mentioned in the series. And what essentially happens is that first it's like the first 20 minutes are just like a regular Haruhi episode and then everything changes every single thing changes and Kion goes absolutely insane trying to cope with the fact that everything no, everything he ever familiar. knows has changed but at the same time nothing has really changed but everything seems the same but there's like these slight differences and he goes absolutely crazy just trying to just trying to talk to all his classmates because it turns out that the one thing that makes him really that really sets him off is that Haruhi is gone throughout the whole entire movie he's just trying to find his way back but then he discovers um Yugi Nagato who's still who's still in school but it's not Yugi Nagato she she has emotions but she's really really damn shy like when Kion first walks into the the SOS brigade um club room, he thinks that the world is back to normal because he can't find Koizumi, he can't find Miss Asahina, and he can't find Haruhi. He was Mikuru Asahina. Mikuru Asahina, yeah, when he refers to as Miss Asahina. Um, and he says, oh, Nagato, you're here, okay, so everything is kind of normal-ish. But then he really finds out that this isn't the same Nagato because she has emotions, she has feelings, she's human now. And that's what really sets Kion off because that's the point that he figures out that it, this is a complete different world even though it looks exactly the same. Right. And this, the whole movie, the whole premise of the movie, it focuses a lot on the Endless 8 because can you imagine experiencing the same 14 days 15,499 times and having no ability to do anything about it? It must, it must drive you insane. It, it, even if somebody like Nagato was meant to be someone who's looking over Haruhi, I can't even imagine thinking that myself. And I, th- I have to say that th- I really did really enjoy this film, and it made me cry a few times. Um, well, what I really, what I really appreciate. What okay. do you want to say? No, well, you you were stupefied by the art alone. Oh no, absolutely. They went far beyond. This is a film. This is a feature film. The there's so many beautiful just, like landscape shots of just of just the city, 
like more detailed than there would usually be. And what I really appreciated about it is, even though it's probably I think it's probably the same writers, the same directors, it takes its it takes its time. It develops the it develops the relationship between Kion and Yuki, the the, the new Yuki. And but there's constantly this appreciation for for the two of them. We get a lot more. Even Kion kind of feels challenged about, oh, well, okay, my life has been surrounded by Haruhi. What if it wasn't surrounded by Haruhi? Out of way, do I actually like this better? And he has this moral dilemma of, what do I really want in life? What am I really looking for? And at times, those choices that he has to make are painful. And there are many, many times in this movie that I cried. Some movies, moments I can't mention because it'd be spoilers. But moments that legitimately moved me. But I do have to say that I, it moved me because I knew the characters. I saw the entire series before watching this film, which I think is the only way you can see it. Because if you just watch it just out of the bloom, it's like, oh, it, I've it'll things about it. it. It's it's an interesting movie if you watch it without um, not watching the series. But you can't get that feel of Nagato's struggle, like the ability to not be able to show any emotion, not be able to ever speak your mind, the, to only be able to say like more less than three words and responses and to the point where you just can't take it and you just struggle that the when the world changes and you finally seem human that is that the right choice that you made or do you want to not stay in this world right and the ending song breaks me down every single damn time it, it, it did me too um I wanted to do a list of the top five moments in this movie that made me cry, but that would be spoilers. But I guess we can say that it does. Because, well... It's, it's, um... It's the voice actor of it's, Yuki. It's the voice actor of Yuki Nagato. And to put it simply, the song is basically about how even though she, is, she isn't able to show her emotions, she still feels very accepted. But to actually hear it breaks me down every single time. I can't even think about it without... Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Alright. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's powerful. It's it's something it's something that I... Because because the series is so focused on what are we going to do now? What are, how are we going to fuck with the audience this time? And then seeing this movie with such sincerity, with such appreciation for its characters, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And I, I wish I could say more, but all I can say is I recommend this movie. <laughs> I do have to say you would have to see the series before, but I think you can. I think you can get a pretty. You you don't have to see the whole series, but you should at least see some of the Endless Eight to understand the struggles. See the first two parts of Endless Eight, and then the very last one where everything is solved. Yep. Because then, because then you pretty much get a good grasp of it. Right. And um, actually leads us into the spinoff, uh, the disappearance of Yugi Nagato. Naga. Yuki Nagato no Shoujitsu. Um, yeah, that. that. <laughs> so, this is interesting because in the movie, uh, Kion decides to go back to his old world. But this anime is basically um, a spin-off of what if Kion just decided to say, no, I don't want to go back. And this is more of a slice-of-life com- romantic comedy because it more follows the how um kion and the new nagato's uh relationship but she is so extremely shy that it pretty much just follows the struggle she has to even say something to kion it's a spin-off so it does all include the old characters miss asahina's there yeah, and they're Haruhi, all true to themselves koizumi they're all their same characters but it's like it focuses on the romantic comedy aspects and it's what makes um 
what makes it different from the whole series as a whole, but at the same time, it's still a good, I guess, what do we call it? Like, uh, a compromise? Yeah. A compromise that there was no, uh, there was no season, season four. Because uh, I technically season, I guess you could say the movie season three, because it's the same length as, as when the seasons would have been. Yeah. Um, it's it's a really I mean, it's a, it's more familiar like they do the same they do the, the things that are that happen in slice of life comedies they go to those hot springs they have Christmas, but it's with the characters that you know and love. Um, I mean, if you do, um, it's it's familiar and it and it's um it's kind of it's kind of um it's just kind of nice to see the characters again, and but I do really appreciate um because I mean she's definitely in love with Keon but it's not. It's like it's like all anime. Like when they always have the, those romantic relationships, it's like let's just make it grow, like part by part, moment by moment. Let's not push it, and that'll it'll make the payoff that much better. Even if, even if there's not a payoff, um, we're actually not exactly done with this series. We actually, I think we need like two more episodes. Yeah, but this series does well. The problem is that I read the manga, so I know everything. <laughs> so I, I have to like struggle while watching the episodes to be like, oh, I remember that. Like, oh, this happens next, and I'm just like, shut up, shut up. Um, <laughs> But the series actually does go from romantic slice of life comedy to a bit of a drama, which does give it a new feel, and I would highly recommend it only if you enjoy the Haruhi series. Yeah, because if you like the characters, then you're going to like this series. Even if it's a little bit more familiar in terms of its style, it's it's still really sweet. And the drama stuff, which I can't, I won't, I won't say anything because we haven't actually even finished that particular part. It reminds me a lot of old Haruhi, of what a, maybe what a season four Haruhi would have been like, like a little tiny taste of what a season four, and it just kind of makes me lament that there will never be a season four. But keep your butts glued, everyone, because in the next segment, we're going to go into our next batch of anime, and it gets interesting. We'll be right back. Now we're in, in, in the break. I actually got my new MP3 player because I wanted to not use my phone in bed, and it sucks, donkey dick. <laughs> and uh, we're we're trying to shake off all our giggles, we're just trying to get back to work. So. But thankfully, thankfully, our next series will make it kind of easy for us. Setokai Yako Indomo, which, 
which, as Gary called it, is sex jokes the anime, pretty much. Um, which, by the way, I drilled into his head to pronounce correctly, um, is basically, well, it, it is what it is. It's sex jokes the anime. It follows the main character, Suda, who uh, goes to this new school that used to be all girls, but now it's co-ed. And... But he's the only other boy. No, he's, he's like, there's like, there's like three other guys right, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem with those guys is that they can't control their teenage hormones, so we're we're they're 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 shameful to yep. to say the least. Um, shameful. And Suda um, basically joins the student council, which consists of the president Shino, um, tre- the, vice, the vice president, vice president Aria. Aria, and I think she's like treasure Hagimura, yeah. which is basically this really short girl who is extremely intelligent, has an IQ of 180, can speak over 20 ten. languages, and can do 10-digit math can calculations. with just her <laughs> wink, and she... I can do 10-digit digit math equations with the inner mind or whatever, the hell, that, whatever the hell she repeats every day. <laughs> um, and Aryo, who is uh, super filthy rich, and Shino, who is basically an all-perfect student. Her only flaw is that she loves talking about sex. The, both of them both of them are perverted and the bi- yeah. the series basically follows Suda's experiences with the student council with every now and then uh, sexual oriented jokes in some way or another innuendo and innuendos and other types of uh, interesting jokes like interesting uh, humor I- interesting humor <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is like there's, there's nothing else to it the problem with the series is that it goes so far with being alright we're gonna do as we're gonna fit in as many sex jokes as possible is that it's a hidden miss series? Is the hidden miss series that we've seen so far? Because some of the because they sometimes make puns and sexual sexual jokes that are really funny, and sometimes it's oh god. We have the character who's like Hata, who's the photographer for the newspaper club, and she's always trying to take perverted pictures of of all the students so that she can sell them. Yeah, she just, she cares about the profits. It's all about the one thing she thinks about is just thinking, what's gonna make me the most money? And it's just like jokes like that. Like this is the first series that actually, like, even your your made me uncomfortable. But that's just because I just didn't see this kind of humor before. But this one really ramped up. The, oh my god, how much, how much could we care less about what we think about the audience? Some episodes are like the episode that we saw it was actually pretty funny. It was like a parody of like ghost of ghost shows. I mean, Lizaki Mura is actually kind of scared of ghosts and stuff like that. But then, I mean, the the the, the takeaway moment of the series is is I think it parallels I think uh, I don't know if I'm correct you can correct me on this Suda and Hagimura I think are there have like a moment together like they're like he's at her house and they're oh, studying yeah. together yeah but he she falls on her <laughs> but at the same time Arya and Shino are also on like a, a field trip because Arya and Shino are the older classmen while Suda and Hagimura are one year up un- under them and um um Th- this show has nothing to lose. No, it does not. <laughs> it it just doesn't give a fuck. Like, well, one, um, one of the jokes was in Japanese. I think it's like Ginpa is a golden temple, but Ginpa Ku is bondage. <laughs> so th- instead of saying I want to go to the golden temple because that's the future, they're like I want to go to the Ginpa Ku temple, which is bondage. Um, and basically, while well, um. Hagimura falls on Suda and it basically has this really it implies it's funny because the mother walks in and she's like oh 
this is interesting. <laughs> and she's like, she's not even like shocked. She's just like, oh, this is interesting. Hagimoto's finally getting some. <laughs> but then at the same time, Arya and Shino are trying to feed deers. And the deer climbs on top of Shino and just starts... Starts humping her. <laughs> starts humping her. <laughs> and Arya reacts the same way the mother does. Oh, oh this, is interesting. this is interesting. <laughs> and that's... That's like the that's the apex of the whole series. Uh, there's another season of this, and I guess we're watching it because we're completionists. But yeah, because all he wants to do is just make jokes constantly, and there's not really that much character development. And I don't even know much about my character development. It just, just carries me on from one day to the next. It just wants. To, it's just shock value. It's like it's like Family Guy. It's like a but it's like a sex focused Family Guy. The, the premise is interesting on its own, definitely, but it's, as, it, it's, for me, it wasn't more of a hit and miss, it was more like a hit and what the fuck did she just say? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's basically the kind of person, like, if you can take a few sexual jokes in this uh, series, is pretty funny, but if not, then, eh, watch one episode and see how you feel. Yeah, that's, that's the summation of that. Oh, jeez, let's, let's, uh, let's. Let's get the palate cleanser out here and move on to our next series. Love Live the School Idol Project. Love Live! Love Idol! This is an interesting series because this, the cynic in me sees that, okay, this is supposed to be school idols. So, obviously, this series is going to have its own songs, its own marketing team, it's going to have a movie, it's going to have like multiple seasons, it's going to ramp up in popularity. And yet, it's also a pretty compelling series. The series focuses on the fact that Honoka Kozaka and her two friends, Yumi and Kotori, are basically go to the school that is going to be shut down because it is not popular and no one is applying. Even Honoka's own sister is saying, I don't know if I want to apply because no one's really going to be applying with me, so yeah. there's no point. So Honoka says, okay, so we need to make the, uh, the school more popular. And when she was on her way to the first day of school, like as a upperclassman, she saw, she went to this school that doesn't really look like a school, that shit looks like a fucking corporation. <laughs> and it's basically home to one of the most popular school idol groups, A-Rise. And the, the song they play is, I think, Private Wars. Is it a, is it a real group? I don't think so. Okay, okay. It's just made for the anime. Yeah, it's just okay. made for the anime. And uh, Honoka notices that, you know, because of A-Rise and how they're the most popular school idol group, that she notices that, oh, so schools that have school idols are really popular and get a lot of applications. Yeah. So maybe if we create a school idol group, then we'll be able to stop the school from closing down. Yeah. And the whole series, well, season one, because we haven't seen season two yet, but the, the season one <clears throat> focuses on how Honoka creates this group of eventually nine members in order to stop the school from closing down. And it, it its episodes are more casual. I, I would classify it as a slice of life anime um, because the first couple episodes focuses on how to get more groups yeah. and there's like songs every every episode. I think there was a song. Uh, no, some episodes. Some episodes there was a song. But but they're all catchy. They're all sweet. I love the, the songs. And the right. opening has been like drilled into our heads. <laughs> like we could just hear it for like two seconds and we'd be like, oh, love life. No, I didn't know. And, but, but but I think what I was a little worried about because when Gary told me about the series and I was really sus suspicious and cynical about it, I wasn't. Wait, there's nine characters. I don't think I've ever seen any TV show that's able to have nine main characters, and this did it pretty well. 
They each have very distinct personalities. They have different motivations for being in the school idol group. Like uh, Yumi, uh, Yumi, Yumi wants to support um, Honaka and Kotori, and they want to help with their efforts. But she also kind of wants to be more sociable. Um, the other ones, and uh, I try to mention this much, so these are as fast as possible. Hanayo dreams of being an idol. Um, Rin just kind of just kind of just. Rin did it because Hanayo did, and she yeah, wanted yeah. to support her. Yeah. Okay, so Maki-chan is basically um, someone who has a beautiful singing voice. Uh, she's probably the best singer of the group, according to Honika anyways. And she can't really get uh, over her shyness that she wants to sing and show her voice to everyone. So, and Honika really struggled to get her to join the group, but she mm -hmm. finally does. And then there's also uh, Ellie, who is the president of the student council. And she joins the same reason Honika does, but at first she doesn't take uh, school idol seriously yeah. because she finds it stupid because... When you really think about it, compared to like professional dancers, because she used to be a professional ballet, uh, it just seems like kind of simplified. It seems, it seems like it's a kind it seems of a, amateur, a bastardized version of of dance. And her partner Nozomi, who basically focuses her life based on fortune cards, um, knew from the very start that the group would um, flourish yep. once they got their ninth member, which was Nozomi. Uh, Nico was <laughs> Nico, Nico, me. Harada, Nico, Nico, me. I just know the first part. <laughs> Nico is somebody who wanted to be, who was an idol at some point, but they had to break up her group because like, they just had separate differences or they had creative differences. Never or told us. It's but broke. basically, they, she, but she knows what it is to be an idol. She has like a, an extensive collection of idol, idol merchandise in her in her club room. And that's that's eventually becomes the club room of Muse, which is the name of the school idol group, which means uh, goddess, nine goddesses, the nine goddesses. But Nico finally has finds another opportunity to to perform in another school idol group with, with Muse. But what I do really appreciate about this series is how believable it wants you to feel like what a school idol group is, because in the first three episodes we see how much physical pain Honoka, uh, Yumi, and Kotori are willing to put themselves in to become better dancers, become better singers. And then on the episode-by-episode episode basis do we get more characters introduced very slowly, and then eventually we get all the characters. And, uh, why, why do they all fit in the group? Why they have such relationship with each other but they still also have their own struggles and even Kotori which I had thought she thought for a long time was just kind of oh well, she's just Honoka's best friend and there she's just doing it then there's an episode on, on Kotori alone about how she felt the same way that we were feeling about her it tries to become more independent this anime has very cute songs it's slice of life but at the same time it does have a plot because um, they're trying to stop the school from closing down even after that happens they still have a, a after they prevent it from happening yeah they actually <laughs> That's a pretty important thing to point out. After they finally stop the school from closing down, then they still have uh, goals to enter tournaments or compete mm -hmm. with A-Rise. And yeah. we haven't seen season two, but I'm pretty sure it follows that suit. And I would recommend this uh, idol anime to anyone who just likes cute songs, likes of life. It, it's... They're casual episodes, but they're all interesting in their own way. And you see how the group grows from episode one of just uh, Honeka, and then Umi, Katori, and then the rest. And it's it's really interesting. Right, but they have their own they have their own believable conflicts. They have their own believable um, weaknesses and strengths. And there's a few episodes when Gary was almost crying out, saying, "This is supposed to be school girls dancing and singing," which what the shows fuck the shifts. The, I mean, the the believable shifts in tone. That the series gets in. One of my favorite scenes actually is the first scene when they're just—it's just—it's just Kotori, Honaka, and Yumi singing in for 
an empty crowd. And the hesitation that Honoka feels like when she's just standing up, just standing there, that's, that, that, that flash of happiness of just everything's okay, and then that burst into tears. It knows when is the appropriate time to have those moments happen, and then, and then it just gets that much more intense. Like, and then Gary, and then it'll, it'll, like make Gary make remarks like, "This is supposed to be about school dancing." It, it's it'll surprise you. It'll surprise you. I I didn't, and as we'll probably see in a trend throughout this throughout this podcast, <laughs> I didn't give it my chance, and and it, it's definitely worth watching. Now on to our next series. Which has so many fucking characters, not even going to bother. Contact collection, um, which is. <laughs> which I also did give a chance. I, I, I'll be saying this a lot. <laughs> But that's because the premise is, and it sounds a little cheesy, maybe even a little ridiculous when I say it, and it says, oh, of course an anime does something like this. It's, it's, it's high school girls that are battleships. And yet, this series, again, technically surprised by how, how, how far it takes its premise, but how unpredictable it also was in general, because I kind of thought, okay, there's a new... We, we, we follow Fubuki, who's the new... Um, hey, Buki! Hey, Buki! Who's the new entrant into the the academy? And I kind of just thought, okay, well, she's just gonna be taking classes. She's going into battles. All right, fine. And then they just kill off one of the main characters. And then, wow, I was not expecting that. And then we see the characters dealing with grief. And wow, this series has a lot more potential than I gave it. It follows his struggles to prove that she is not worthless. Fubuki is uh, a main. Dist- I think she's a, a ship destroyer. Destroy, yeah. Ship destroyer, and well, well, first of all, yes, they are all ships, teenage girl ships. But the the way it focuses that is that they're basically all human. They run, they eat, sleep, etc. But when they go into battle, they their literal guns are attached to them on their legs, mm-hmm. arms, shoulder, and etc. to make them more uh, realistic to the actual ships to an extent. Yeah. But they still keep their human bodies. And when they are damaged, they uh, repair themselves in a sort of repair spot by just yeah. bathing, I guess. Yeah. So, um, well, Fubuki tries to prove her herself to the Admiral who specifically chose her for all these missions, the anime basically follows uh, all these missions, and it does get a bit casual, a bit slice of life, like the curry contest. And then there's also where uh, Fubuki is just training, going on night runs, and her her idol is this uh, ship that's called Akagi, who she refers to Akagi Senpai. Um, but basically, she is like one of the best ships, like in the entire, I guess, base. Yeah. And she really looks up to her because of not only her ability, but her optimistic attitude and the fact that she eats like a truck driver. <laughs> like, like she'll just like put like a pot of rice and it'll be gone within like five minutes. Not to mention that that I also love the character designs um, in the series alone. Well, the, the character designs of the battleships because um, she's an Akagi's an archer, but the archers let out uh, fighter ships. 
or fighter planes. Out of their arrows. Out of their arrows. And it's just, that's so cool. And her, like, little tiny details, like the fact that her, her bow is, is an air carrier base or something. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Yeah, and it's just really interesting details like that. There's, I think there's a lot of things that aren't explained. For one thing, we, the evil force is clearly evil. They're like whale... Um, they're like robotic whales. Robotic whales? And we don't really know what they're there for. We don't. We know that they're trying to kill everybody in the academy, but we don't know why. There's a lot of things that aren't explained. All, it's also not explained how this, the academy gets established, why they... How... How... This is how! <laughs> um... But, and, and I also feel like this isn't really spoiling it because uh, it's only 12, 12 episodes mm, but I feel like the series finale felt like there's definitely more story they wanted but I felt like because they probably knew that they only had 12 episodes they had to just end everything on a really high note despite the fact that it happened so quickly though I feel like there's a lot of it wasn't a real payoff because mm -hmm. all we really get is just a really feel good ending that just kind of comes out of nowhere Mm -hmm. one, of, one of the great things about this anime is that this is one of those special anime where it didn't have a manga or a light novel before it became an anime. No, this is one of those animes that it's based off a game. The Game Con Cole is a, basically a simple game that is on a Japanese website. Forget the name already. It's too hard for me to play. I gave up on it after 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> And basically, it's just pretty much battleship. Like, you have your attacks, you have your defenses, you have your stats of the girls, etc, etc, etc. And you try and win your matches. So, to create an anime, 12 full episodes based on a simple game of fighting back and forth. To give it story, to give it drama, to give it comedy, to give it those casual episodes. Like, that's what's really impressive to me. And how you can have, like, over 40 fucking characters. Like, I don't even want try and name them all <laughs> but at the same time they all still need it like Nagato the Admiral and then there's the other two that are part of the staff and then there's Fubuki's friends and then there's Yudachi and then etc 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 boy um <laughs> boy um and how this anime does drama really good it does action really good the CGI gets a little annoying but eh, because not, it, it's, it's not it's, the, it's interspliced between like the regular like the Sudoku Cell animation and then the CG and it's just and Love Live does this too like in Love Live it was mostly the, during the performances mostly during performances but it's still really noticeable and I wonder because they still have it it just it's just, it's just very off-putting I do think it's because we've seen so many animes and then we see this one, it feels like I can see, like, I can definitely start seeing, like, the very noticeable, oh, here's what an anime contains. We have a character who's resilient and who wants to succeed in everything, and then we have the other supporters, and then we have these characters. It, it just, this one felt, like, more familiar, despite its premise, and I only wondered, like, even though it did kind of take me by surprise with some moments of genuine emotional value, it still felt a little bit too... A little safe. Even I do know that later their whole lifestyle is kind of threatened by the, the whale hybrids. But I don't know how else to call them. But I still feel like it could have been developed just a bit more. Like it seems like there's a lot of mythology, a lot of story there that just wasn't. It just didn't get a chance to be told. All right. Well, let's move on. Well, let's move on to the next one. This one, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold up my hold back my enthusiasm. I will say this is my favorite anime of the entire collection that we've seen so far. This is Madoka Magica. Maha Shoujo Madoka Magica. Um, this series is about a middle schooler named Madoka who sees um, a creature called Kupe being beaten down by a magical girl named Homura. And then Kupe, after Kupe saved and her friend and her friend Sayaka is there as well, then they get introduced to the idea of magical girls. If you um, make a contract with Kupe, you make one wish, and with that wish, you become a magical girl. And this series has been praised by many people as being a, the definitive deconstruction of the magical girl genre as we know it. And we're basing this off like every magical girl anime that's ever been released, like Sailor Moon, Card Captors, um, the other ones. <laughs> I can't, can't think of them right now. Do you have any examples of other magical girl animes? Vivid Operation. Then there's also like Sara Sakura, Shellaka. Yeah, like, like series like that, and where it, it kind of presents with this premise of okay, you can become a magical girl, you can save the world, and you can be a superhero. But and when I mean deconstruction, I mean what exactly does it mean to be a magical girl? What are the sacrifices you have to do to be a magical girl? And how much can we make it not viable and sensible to be a magical girl? It's amazing because in the 12 episode arc, you get so many moments of humanity between each and every single character that every character, even the ones that seem detestable at first, or even the other way around, that you, a character you feel like you find comfort with, can be the worst, the worst thing in the world. And then the other character who's detestable turns out to be a really sympathetic character. I'm, I'm trying to be really careful not to spoil things because the, 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 it does matter a lot what kind of developments happen in the anime. Like, it matters a lot in terms of the emotional effect that this anime has. But but essentially, Sayaka knows somebody who she's in love with, and he doesn't. I mean, he loses the ability to play instruments. And Sayaka keeps visiting him in the hospital, and the, the boy, when Sayaka brings like a, a, a classical music CD, he breaks the CD with his hands and cuts it, and cuts his wrists open. With, with, by, by smashing it, because he cannot stand the idea of no longer being able to play music. So what Sayaka does is that she wishes to Kube that uh, that he can play, that he can use his hands again, and that's the decision that Sayaka has to live with in, in the duration of the of the rest of the series. I do know that, and I don't think this is spoilers, that the series takes a dark turn very early on. But I seriously think that there's something underlying the whole time because. One, you're seeing Homura beating up Kupe and he's bleeding, but then then they're transported to this this world, which is the witch's the witch's gate. Yeah, the witch's dungeon. The witch's dungeon, which has the most the most unsettling animation I have ever seen, and it's a perfect contrast because in the regular series animation, it's just like the very typical and well, I don't want to say typical, but it's like established anime animation techniques, and then here. It's like this stop motion. This it's just so unsettling. The movements are just they're disturbing because it's just such a contrast to what we've seen before. I feel like there's more of a focus on cinematography in the series. There's more of a focus on tone. There's more of a focus on symmetry. It's more of a focus on mood. It feels like every every single scene was done with very careful attention. The kind of careful attention you would expect in like an animated film. And and it kind of changes your perspective about what a magical girl means, what it means, and it, it kind of 
makes you reconsider the, the whole concept of it. What I think what I was trying to say before I got led astray, because I, I don't know, I can talk about this for hours and hours and hours, is that in the second episode, when Mommy is trying to teach Madoka and Sayaka about what it means to be a magical girl, they try to they save someone from committing suicide. And they talk about how curses exist in the real world, but the curses, they rather than just the evils of the world, as in like it's a giant beast and it will kill everybody, no, it's, it's natural evils. The evils of depression, the evils of suicide, the evils of murder, and those kinds of other natural perversions that exist, that do exist in the world. That's what they're trying to stop. Like any good series, every episode has just, just, amount, just the right amount of information at the very end to kind of wind it lead to the next episode. But at the same time, the, the series was so good that they actually released it as two movies. And then the third movie, which we're going to see eventually. Um, I think it's just called like Rebellion, Ma Madoka Magica Rebellion. But the first, but it, that kind of shows just how special the series was. That they thought this is good enough that we can just release what we've already produced as a movie. This is that extra care of attention, the extra care of attention to the characters, strong female characters, which is something that is very rare in any medium. It's something truly special, something truly remarkable, absolutely worth your time. This animal will fuck you up. Okay, so... <laughs> Are you okay? I'm okay. 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 Imagine the desu So this man. When I first watched it, I, I, this is one of the animes that I watched blindly. Like I didn't watch clips off YouTube. I didn't ask one of my friends about it. It was just like, you know, this just look. So honestly, the only reason I watched this anime because I like the title. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. So when I first saw the anime and I saw it was like a casual, it was like, oh, slice of life. It was like, this is interesting animation. Um, but then when I got to like episode three, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? And it's, it's interesting because the first two episodes have this really sweet song, but if you actually understand the Japanese, it's really fucked up. Because it's basically her saying that I don't know if I'll see you tomorrow, so I'll just say see you later. Which really get which really gives that undertone of like um, there's this something, this there's something, something beyond just cutesy slice of life in this anime, yep. but that's only if you actually understand the lyrics in the Japanese language. Right. To everyone else, it's like oh, it's so cute, nice song, you know. They're, they're like talking about their friendship. But, but I still had the feeling that there's something going wrong. Was, like I said in the second episode, they they save somebody from committing suicide. Yeah, Th this sh this show does drama really well. It does uh, exceptionally well. It does drama exceptionally well. It e it even has some comedy here and there. <laughs> my favorite my favorite line is, "Girls can't love girls. Girls can't love girls." <laughs> hey, wait! You forgot your bag. Oh. <laughs> um, and. Really, the, the whole way it's put together and uh, Homura Akemi, who is basically emotionless, but for her own reasons, mm -hmm. really brings the show together in this... I, I, I will agree with Arlo, and even though I've seen like 60 series, I will call 60. it... I will call it one of the best animes I have ever seen and highly recommend it. So with all that being said, in the final segment, and I mean it, this is the final one, we're talking about the last few animes, and we'll even actually talk about... What did we learn from watching all this anime? <laughs>
Good point, Gary. We'll be right back. <laughs> And we're back for the final time. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, if you think you've just gone through a lot, wait till you see what we've gone through. We've been, uh, we've been recording for four hours. Pretty much, pretty much. But we'll probably be recording for one hour more unless we get to business. So let's talk about the next anime. Uh, Absolute Duo. This is a, almost like a close parallel to another anime that we'll be talking about a little bit later. In that you told me this is a fan service anime, in which case we'll get close-ups of boobs, we'll get close-ups of crotch shots, we'll get really uncomfortable innuendo going on. Three episodes go by with all that, and then it becomes a story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when I originally uh, planned this anime, I was like, okay, so we've seen Slice of Life, we've seen comedies, we, we've seen this bit of drama here and there. But I was like, let's see what fan service is. Let's see like, what people think the anime is. But I was like, well, there's the fan service anime, which you just need to look at the opening of High School DxD. Um, <laughs> and, but I was like, eh, that's too much. But like, I, 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 so I was like searching around like animes I've watched, and I was like, oh, absolutely, that one's pretty interesting. It starts with fan service, but then it actually has a kind of a story. And I was like, well, it's rated uh, 17 plus because of the fan service, but also of the violence and gore. So, Which is pretty brutal in this, in this series. So when I chose originally, I was like, okay, so I guess it'll be fan service with uh, some fighting and action. So I was like, okay, so this is a good pick. You get some fan service at the same time. It's not just all that because yeah. there are a lot of animes that I could have chosen that are just fan service, like High School DxD, Cat Planet Cuties, Cat Planet Cuties, uh, Mikimi no Fukai, uh, etc. We have to watch Cat Planet Cuties now. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> okay then. Um, that's it's it's a pretty big fan service anime. Um, gotcha. okay, so Absolute Duo follows uh, Kokone Toru, Tor, Toru, and the story first um, starts out as he's accepted into the school, but the way to get accepted into the school is by beating the shit out of your partner. The, the person that you came into the school with. The person that you came to the school with originally. Just you essentially, have to, they're just trying to weed out the numbers, they're trying to weed out the, the weak from the strong. 
if you defeat them, then you get to uh, be accepted to, to the school. Which originally you think that, oh, they just get thrown out of the trash, but they eventually do come back because they joined another school. So yeah. it's not that bad. Yeah. But basically these blazes, these blaze weapons are um, basically weapons that you are created from your soul. So like whatever your soul is, I guess, composed of or focused on, that's where your weapon will be. So like swords, spears, and... The students are basically, they're basically just trying to graduate school, but because they're focusing on some weapons, they do have these challenges, they have battles, they have tournaments, and there's basically a corporation that knows about blazes and they take advantage of them. And they're so technologically advanced that they have figured out a way to counteract blazes and created humanoids that are more powerful. So there's a lot going on in this anime. It's only 12 episodes, but there's a lot going on. And it does have its fair share of fan service, so you, you, you can tell but like... But it's, it's like it's kind of, here's your fan service, here's your fan service. But then, at some point, you start noticing that happens less and less. In the episode we watched, which was like a really intense episode when one of the new transfer students decides to do this kind of crazy hunting party. Although it's like it's not like she's trying to kill everybody; it's more like she's just trying to defeat every student in the school. And it's really tense. Like there's, and then that's you just start realizing that the series is mostly about. There is the beach episode, and uh, I think Gary forgot to mention this early on. But when an anime usually. At their eighth episode, it's a beach episode, which is basically a filler episode. Which I think probably I think that's the most explicit and service on the entire series. Even though it is a filler episode, it still has a lot of story because there are six characters here. There's Lilith, the the rich one, who is trying to get Toru to be your absolute uh, duo partner partner um, and then there's Yuli, who is Toru's um, absolute duo partner. And then there's Miyabi, and then there's Tomoe, these two girls who are pretty much the best of friends. Yeah. And then there's Toru, Toru's friend and his absolute deal partner, who is actually never says one single word in the entire anime. All he does is flex and make a grunt. <laughs> there's a certain set of levels, which is a bit confusing, a little stupid, I'll admit, but it's, yeah, it's, a it's interesting. interesting. That all the students start level one and then they get to level two, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, and but it happens so quickly. And then Toto, like at the end of the series, is already level four. Is you got special attention, didn't you? He ate too much rare candies. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute, Gary. Okay. Um, the series transitions from just the students trying to graduate from Toto and Yuli trying to beat the. I guess it's kind of like a corporation. It's kind of like a mob. It's kind of like a gang. It's kind of like a because group of fucktards. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, basically, to stop them from um, beating all the other uh, students well, and killing them. Really. Yeah, killing they them. No, them straight out kill them because in, in one episode they straight out shoot Toru in the arm, in the shoulder, and, and, in the shoulder, and it's just. This huge splatter of blood, and that's the first time that you start to realize how 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 this group does not does not give a fuck and will kill whoever they need to, and the, the stakes are immensely raised from that point on because they realize that okay, even with their magical power, magical powers, even with their magical their blazes, yeah, the blazes. magical blazes, they are still human. Although, when I think this is a problem I just have with anime in general, they have infinite stamina. That's, that's every anime. Yeah, I mean... Ash is trying to rescue a Pokemon. The factory explodes. Alright, guys, let's go on to the next town. He's like, we're going it's like 20 miles. Uh, we'll make it there on the bike. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so this anime has really good action. Does genre really well. Its story is very interesting. And the fan service is... It, it, it's... It comes at the right moments. So it's okay for the most part. I think, I think sometimes the fan service can be kind of gratuitous. Just because it's just how ridiculous they kind of set up when it happens, 
and there's this romantic tension between uh, Toru and Toru. and Yuli. Um, like I think like Toru's just sleeping. She's sleeping in his bunk bed. She, and she, just... Yuli sleeps in a shirt and nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. But, um, but it is a long shirt, so. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that just seems like a little bit ridiculous. Um, to introduce this kind of tension, when it feels like their relationship is more like it's like it's like a, it's like a partnership, but it's also like like, like a mother, like a parent and a child. So it is, seems kind of weird that they have this weird sexual tension between them. I enjoyed Absolute Duo for what it was, but I definitely think it's the most anime anime that we've seen by far. Like we have we have thrilling action sequences, but we also have really the, the, the fan service, and and it just felt like everything about it, the combined, is just like it, a stereotypical depiction of anime would be the series. That's a more or less, more or less. I think. I think as I, once it focuses on story and the, the organization and all that stuff, then it then it becomes an, a, a good anime on its own right. But in the beginning, it feels like it's almost a parody of anime. All right, that all sounds good. Let's move on to our next anime. Another. And another what? <laughs> another. The series is called Another. What's the Japanese title though? Another. <laughs> this is a very cute anime. Cuter than Madoka Magica, actually. Uh no, I, I think it's cuter than Lucky Star. Oh, by far, by far. It's it's just adorable. When we talked about Madoka Magica, we talked about the very big um, themes that Madoka Magica goes through and how much, especially because of how we binged um, huge chunks of the series all at once, I was thinking, wow, this is really intense. And the guy says, you haven't seen anything. It's <laughs> not like, even close. Quite, not even close. But I'll argue that another did that, but in a different way. Because it's, it's the first horror anime I've seen. And horror anime, and I mean that in the sense that horror already has its own tropes, its own problems, but this was still, I think, one of the better animes that we saw. In another... There exists a curse where, after a certain point of the month, students start inexplicably dying of various causes, and then what essentially the students have to do is that they, they, they create these methods within themselves to try to block away the evils of the curse or, or try to prevent people from dying. The series follows um, uh, Koichi Sakakibara-kun, who is transferred into Class 3 at North High. Well, then they start talking about the existence of a curse, and they start and and what feels like a normal high school actually has a lot of secrets. And because it's horror, we're supposed to kind of constantly feel tension in any during any scene. And you're just constantly thinking, "Oh, I wonder who's going to die next. Who's going to die next? How are they going to die?" So Gary saw the death spoiled in a, in a video clip, but didn't make the fact that watching the deaths, the deaths of the new class, um, it didn't make it any less disturbing. They got this. This anime goes so far with the graphicness, and this did remind me of Final Destination. But what made it different is the fact that I care about every character. Every character has their own motivations, their own reasons for trying to stop the curse, their own reasons for for surviving, and their own legitimate fear of death. That the feeling that death surrounds them at every turning, you don't know how you're gonna die, and it always feels like there might be a reason for dying. 
one, one of the ways they're trying to prevent the curse is that there's supposed to be a, number, a certain number of students in the class, and then when one person changes the number, then the students actually force somebody to become invisible, or they pretend that they don't exist in order to counteract the effects. And the enemy keeps trying to trick you as to thinking, like, who's the extra student? Who's the one who's causing all this to happen? And um, we get introduced to Misaki Mei. Misaki Mei, who is the, unfortunately the one chosen by the class because she just looks weird. And we start to get an idea of how she's presented um, in her life, how her mother doesn't even pay attention to her, really. And that she doesn't really have many friends, except uh, for uh, Koichi, who's the only one who treats her like a human, like a human being. And Misaki Mei actually lives above a doll shop where there's just all these bunch of dolls and there's one doll that actually kind of looks like her and it, it, it kind of just makes it feel like there's like this difference between a living breathing being and then somebody who's supposed to be on display somebody who's just kind of a fixture but what Koichi and Misaki Mei are trying to do is they're trying to figure out what exactly is leading to the curse what why does this curse happen and why are the students dying at the rate that they are that's the, that's the ultimate difference between this and Final Destination is that you really do care about the struggles that these, the students are going through, and just how screwed up the whole situation really is. Just that it even exists in the first place, that nobody's safe because anybody who who's, who is related to somebody in class three is susceptible to dying. And this actually becomes really important later in the series when you start paying attention to okay, who is causing all this to happen. This anime, well, basically the reason I picked this anime was, be, well, one, I found the gifts really interesting, so I was like, oh, so I'm quick to judge. Um, but I was like, oh, so he thinks Madoka is scary? I'm gonna fucking traumatize this guy. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so let me, let me see what anime is just like really fucked up and really gruesome. Okay, so like if someone tells you, oh yeah, someone uh, died, they got shot in the head, you were like, oh, that's so bad. But to actually see it animated, the blood splatters, oh, that's the, what I was gonna point the, out. The, 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 in, the intricate detail that this show goes into every single death is what makes it beautiful and horrifying it at the same time. The I still remember his face when the first person died because he didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And... He, he just looked at me like, what did this kid just make me watch? <laughs> but I'm glad that you brought it up because it, it, it shows with Final Destination movie, you know that those are special effects. And in this anime, they, these are, well, they, they're treated like they're real people, despite being animated, going through these brutal, brutal, brutal deaths that are just, I would wish it upon my worst enemy in the world. That are not in their control either. That's out of, completely out of their control, and some of the deaths just catch you by surprise, and some of them just kind of just like this weird, like elliptical reasoning of, well, they kind of just doomed themselves because they didn't even think that this would happen. Like it, it, it's really early on when one of the characters who unfortunately ends up dying, she's just talking to Koichi about her drama club, and then a pane of glass almost falls on her head. And she's immediately in tears. She like, I don't down. want to die. Oh God, I don't want to die. And, and 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 that pain is real. The fact that death looms over you at every turn, and there's just no there's just no certainty to anything. In fact, there's a scene I think when when Koichi's talking to his aunt, and I keep thinking the fucking bird is just gonna fly out of the cage and the cage just, is gonna just drop slit their throats and, all over. Like just I don't know what's gonna happen, and it's constant tension, especially after the first. Day. There's already tension in the opening just because it's. Well, I love, I love the theme song. I'll just 
say it right now that I love every single anime theme song that we've seen in every. This one in particular already because the theme song already has these mentionings of like like blood um, duels or something, blood duels or something, or just like um, I don't. Well, you, you do you remember the English lyrics for for this song? Uh, not really. It's... But I just remember the lyrics are really unsettling. And then the, I think the last words are like, um, and find out who is the missing one, something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. This anime is really good and bad at the same time because I, de- I decided that the only way to watch it is at after 9 p.m. with all the lights off. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know why, but it's to me, it didn't really affect me that much. Like, the, the killing scenes were the only things that really got to me, but like yeah. the rest was like, oh, it's just like anime. Uh, yeah. But to him, it was like traumatizing. Um, so, <laughs> so like, this, this, I would really recommend this anime for the horror aspect alone, but also because its story is so compelling that you don't really know who the extra student is. And when you find out, you didn't even expect it. And, and like any good series, it ramps up everything so dramatically. Oh, you told me the music was the scariest shit. Like, oh, absolutely. Not, not even the deaths. Absolutely, because the music already... This is where I find the, some faults with it, is that the music manipulates you to thinking, oh, there's something that's going to happen, something's going to happen. And just the music alone can do that on, on itself. I think like, that like it, they're it, in a it, dark room with like dim lights, and then it's like, oh, it's just like, is there like a syrup that's just going to slip off the throat? And like, oh, no, they're just talking. Yeah, they're just talking, or just cuts like to sunshine, sunshine and rainbows. Well, no, that doesn't ever happen. It just cuts like daylight, a day, daylight, daylight. daylight. <laughs> and uh, the, 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 that's just the only real problem. I feel like this anime had the potential to be more than just than just its premise, and I think that the, the, those cliches and those moments like that kind of cut it back. But then, as soon as it, it, it does start ramping up, and as soon as it really starts being very apparent how real the whole situation is that's when the tension really begins even in the very end there's still that tension underneath this feels like what's stopping it from happening next year the next semester mm-hmm. so that's that's another but this anime has taught us a few things it has it has one uh no walking down the stairs with umbrellas no driving during... no driving at all no driving at no all. no driving at all just fuck driving you know just take a bike walk the bus <laughs> You know, the, the train, you know, just, I mean, you know, no, fuck, just fuck vehicles, fuck vehicles, you know, we're just gonna take our scooters. Alright, don't, no playing your computer in the mid-afternoon. Uh, no playing your computer in the mid-afternoon, um, no, no swimming. No swimming. No swimming at all. Uh, don't hit your head on cabinet, on cabinets. If you hit your head, go, go to, the to the hospital. Go to the hospital. Just, what the fuck are you doing? Go to the hospital. Go to the hospital. Um... Honestly, workers that leave their vehicles without parking should be fired. Absolutely. They are the bane of my existence and everyone else's. They are. They should not even be allowed to live. No elevators. No elevators. At all. You know what? It's like 23 stories. You know, it's good exercise. Just yeah, go just up the stairs. the stairs. Take the stairs. Just take the stairs. You need the cardio. Yeah, that's good. Um, no hiking at night. No hiking at night. No, no hiking, hiking during, during the rain. During the rain. No hiking during thunderstorms. If the building's on fire, get the fuck out. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, if there's a thunderstorm and someone can't breathe, 
Everyone get the fuck out. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, make sure you have your inhaler. Make sure you have your inhaler. Always carry your inhaler. Always carry your Always inhaler. Always carry your inhaler. And if you have a heart condition, shut the fuck up. Just, just take it easy, man. Just, just take it easy. Just, just take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. You're the one who matters the most. All right. Um, let's finally, let's finally move on to our final, final anime. I forgot the fucking lyrics. I'm gonna sing my set, set, set. Oh, oh, gonna free, 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 free. Free! We're talking about free. This. Once again. This is gonna be like a broken record. <laughs> Saw it. Oh, I'm not impressed. Completely changed my mind. Sixth episode. Gary, talk about this because I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> okay, so Free is this beautiful anime because we saw a fan service anime which was absolutely doing. And I was like, you know, that's not good enough. And I, and, I, and I was like looking through my and I was looking through my list of anime I've seen. And I was like, um, let's see. It was like, okay, so girl, 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 girl. And I was like, Free. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. What is this about? And then I saw like two episodes. I was like, oh, it's guys. It's the guys that are being sexually exploited this time. That's hot. We get butt shots. We get crotch shots. They have ridiculous Fucking proportions. beautiful abs. Oh my. Mm. Six. <laughs> but seriously, biceps and the one female character. The one female character. Goko. 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 Go, it's go. Go. She's dressed nicely. She's dressed in her uniform. She's the one that says, "Oh, the hot men all over the place." Oh, it's a dream. Like this is like a 180 degree turn of anything that I could have anticipated, and of course I didn't give him a chance because we kept making jokes about it. It's like, oh my god, they're going to the prom and, and they're just going to be in their swimsuits and stuff like that, and the characters are kind of shallow. But then it turns out, no, these guys actually have very discernible motivations for doing things for swimming they love swimming a lot and at first that seemed kind of like this one character who kind of did bother me because he says i just love the water it just makes me feel but then the story goes on and he starts realizing maybe i don't really know what i'm talking about anymore maybe i don't really know what i want and i, I felt like there was more characterization going on after episode five but it was episode six when i when, I, when my opinion about this series completely completely changed Basically, we already know that these four characters, um, oh, I didn't even mention what the four characters were. <laughs> Makoto, Makoto, Nagisa, and Rei. Yeah. So the four characters, um, in this episode, Rei decides he wants to keep training because he wants to become better for the full team. And there's a thunderstorm, and then both me and Gary are going, what? This is happening now? And then they get stranded on an island, and they're stuck on that island for a whole episode. And they get they swim back because they're like, Infinite animal. They're fucking Adonis. They make Adonis look bad. Oh, absolutely. They, they, no, no. Let's talk about the logical sense for a moment here. Like, all right, all right, it's right. it's beautiful the drama, but all right. they're practicing for a swimming tournament, and yep. all those fucking beautiful bodies. <laughs> but, but 
they go to this deserted island and they were like, hey, let's do a training camp. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to swim from each island to island one kilometer away each. And then we're just going to run through the beach and then we're going to go back and do it three times in a row. They're swimming 12 kilometers for a warm up. That's pretty insane. I can believe it because they're big. <laughs> But, but this is like really well built. But what I what I think has been unfair about it is that okay, I see these characters. Oh, God. there's one character. Ray is the character, and he he likes seeing beautiful forms. Well, who doesn't like seeing that? Nagisa is the eternal optimist, and then Makoto is just kind of he's just Makoto. He just does Makoto stuff. Makoto anime guy of the year. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not even kidding. He actually was voted hottest anime guy of the year. As a straight man. Those thighs are to die for. <laughs> I was kind of trying to make you laugh, and I, I failed. <laughs> but then, as but then, but then at some point, keep getting reinforced this idea that, um, and I keep saying this idea of this saying, oh, there's something bigger. Well, no, not really. It's focus. It's simple. It's just that these guys are their best of friends, but they want to succeed, and they love swimming together. And I realized that watching with watching this anime that something as simple as friendship can carry on the whole series and it became really compelling as some episodes I was saying, Oh my god, are they gonna win the tournament? Or oh my god, um their rival they want to communicate with him but he's not giving them a chance and then one character that has this life changing experience and says, Oh my god, I don't know what to I don't know what to do and they say, Oh my god, we don't know what to make of this now and there's moments of character development, there's moments of genuine like self reflection from the characters. I think Nagasa is a pretty consistent character. He's constantly the, the eternal optimist, but then we realize the struggles of Makoto, we realize this we realize how Haru like he kinda tries to, he kinda tries to reinvent himself, reinvent the way he even approaches himself with his friends, because at first he kinda just operates on his own time, but then he starts to realize the, the value of friendship. We keep getting the little slices of character, like little slices and bits of their own personalities, and that they eventually become something that they, I started cheering for them at the very end. And it was not something I was expecting from a series that we were just making fun of incessantly in the first three episodes. One of the things that even though we, I knew it was fan service and I was really quoting about, I was like, damn, that's realistic water. Oh, the water effects in this anime are in amazing. Be because you, you, it's a swimming anime, so it has to have some really great water effects. So its art is beautiful, its story is really great, and even though it's it's pretty much just a swimming team just trying to win as many tournaments as possible. But it becomes more than that. And even though it does give fan service pretty much every episode, and it's clearly... No, no. It is, in the first three episodes it does, but then it does it less and less once it starts trying to focus more on the story. And it's still got those crotch shots it, during the tournament. It is, sort of. Also, I mean, like, they don't even wear shirts. Like, even casually. No, they do wear shirts casually. No, they were, they were like blazers, and then their abs are like in the middle. Oh. I didn't even think of that. I, th I think they only wear shirts in the tournament, like just just the like the oh, last the few episodes. The yeah, the jackets. The, jackets yeah. the track jackets. Yeah. What? <laughs> the track jackets. <laughs> no, I know. We're just talking about the appearance. We're just. Oh, their abs. One of those abs. Their biceps. And triceps. Fucking abs, triceps, and their biceps, quadceps, and. Their and... Sets. <laughs> and, the... <laughs> and the five seps. <laughs> and the six seps. No, that's what. It... Um, so this anime is very good for anyone who likes a different kind of fan service. Um, 
it is a slice of life to an extent, but it also does have focused, it also though. does it's have that drama though. and it, it its story is really intricate even though it's pretty much just four guy, five guys swimming. That's what it is, but I mean, there's so much meaning behind the fact that they're trying to swim. Not that much meaning. I mean, what I mean is that they find so much meaning in swimming, and it's really relatable for somebody who finds meaning with that one action. Like, I know a lot of people who go swimming very constantly, and that's where they feel most personal. That's where they feel like they're themselves, and that's what this anime tries to represent. And this is such a good anime. I feel like I want to see more sports animes. I want to see a soccer anime, a basketball anime. I know there's a ping pong anime. I feel like maybe that's probably really good. Like, I want to see more sports. I want to see more sports. Give it to me, please. There's Ace of Diamonds that's baseball. Ace of Diamonds is baseball? Yeah. Check that out. We gotta check that out sometime. Oh, and that fucking music. <laughs> the This is the only boy band song I, I'll ever like. Not even, not, not even guilty pleasure. Not even guilty pleasure. Legitimately love this song. Although I have to say, it's probably because it's ja it's in Japanese. If it was in English, I'd probably hate it like any other song, any other uh, boy band song. But I love it. I really love it. Alright, Gary, I think that's our last anime, but there were some other series that we saw that were like a little bit shorter. So let's start with the Miyaka Family's Hunger, which is the most depressing comedy I've ever seen. <laughs> Bar fucking none. Being blown, poverty. 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 It's about two sisters. Um, he Hagi and Hinata, who are living together, and they're poor. They're fucking poor. I, I don't mean to sound a little bit brash by saying that, but but I have never seen an anime deal with the reality of poverty. Uh, there probably might be another one that I've heard of, uh, but not only talking about poverty, but trying to find the humor in the reality of it. And that includes lottery tickets, that includes starving, like hoping that you wish you had like a steak in your mouth or something. Really... Painful, painful things like that, and I think Gary has has kind of wants to defend the older sister Hinata a little bit because she does have a job and she does maintain the apartment. But if she didn't buy so many fucking mangas, they would be able to pay for <laughs> buy food. They they eat, they just don't eat um, like what you would call normal food. I mean, it's not, but, but it's good that the little sister, who's like nine years old, that poor, that poor little kid, she's is really resourceful. Like she was able to make a pizza out of. It was like oregano sticks, and then yeah. it was like breadsticks, and it was like cheese, and yeah. then she just like fucking melted it all up, and then it was a pizza. She's a genius, but she has to be because her sister. Like, I, I feel bad for her sister. I mean, when I first saw it, I absolutely sister is completely irresponsible, but they love each other. They get into arguments like any other sisters would, like any other siblings would, but they really do love each other. And even though uh, Hikagi is frustrated by Hinata's constant, like, she, she feels guilty about buying the mangas, but she doesn't feel guilty enough that she doesn't stop doing it. And then Hikagi, like, there's a really, well, there's a character in, the, in her elementary school who's a fucking douchebag who should be shot a million times in the face. Shot? Who makes fun of her for being poor. Oh, and she, yeah, that good old Hikagi like gets into a fight, but she's unfortunately has to be taken. Cannot have to pick her up in the principal's office because she caused the fight. Good for her for defending herself. That's she should not take that kind of shit from anybody. Seriously, that's just 
fucking shoot that guy a million more times in the face. A <laughs> million more times. A million more times in the face. Even if there's a hole, just keep shooting. Just keep shooting like until all the bits of his face are gone. Oh, God. His parents didn't raise him right. doesn't deserve to live. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't deserve to live. He doesn't. He's a piece of shit. And you know it. Yeah, but still. Each episode is pretty much about five minutes long. That's why if you're going to watch it, it's pretty much the same as a one anime episode. It's like, it was like 26 minutes, I think. It really is interesting because they made a whole full-length episode based on a, like a 20-second segment in the original Lucky Star anime where Hinata was working and uh, Hikaga was trying to tell her sister when she get off work. And with... with to create a whole a 20 20 like 25 minute series based on 20 seconds is impressive on its own it, it does also still do comedy well but that's most likely due to hikage's reactions oh definitely and this th this anime is short it's sweet and the story is very very realistic and also it it, it, it um Unexpectedly, I had flashes of my own childhood. My parents, they had to use food stamps to... They had to go to, like, a, a place in... Like, I had to go to a place to get food stamps. Um, and I, I got a lot of flashbacks to thinking... And even sometimes today, like, sometimes I think, oh, I don't have any money. Maybe I should just get some lottery tickets. And it, and it does uh, give that whole family feel, how even though that they're poor and Hinata does have a problem with buying manga, that she tries to get as much food as she wants for Hikage, even though if she won't eat that much. Yeah, and there's even the one, it's really sweet, and the one episode, um, Hinata actually is able to save up enough money and for a burger. And she buys tofu, tofu burger. Tofu burger. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like, it's like there's someone bring her birthday, and that's really sweet. And, but it is kind of unfortunate even in their theme song or their ending date they call them being born, born poverty, poverty where the losers nobody wants us it's really sad being born <laughs> poverty it's funny in its own in its own right um after that we saw plastic nissan which is basically it's what people think anime is pretty much it, it Plastic Nissan just takes everything you know about anime, puts it in a blender, and shits it out. <laughs> like, it has fan service, it has drama, it has what the fuck am I watching. It, it pretty much has everything you ask, and it knows it. Oh, yeah. Plastic Nissan breaks the fourth... No, Plastic Nissan doesn't break the fourth wall. It takes a shotgun to it. Oh, yeah, pretty much. And it basically is a parody of all anime cliches, all anime, like, the way anime is usually structured. And it just has as much fun as possible. And it is a very funny comedy. And like Miyawaki no Kofuku, um, it is very short, and I think it's like 30 minutes for the whole series. It, it, it's, it's definitely, I think it's it's a bit more focused than Setakai Echo in the was like it, it does have its sex jokes, but I think the, the jokes are just stronger, like, they're just, um, because because it establishes its tone so early on, the, the jokes feel like they have more, more, punch, more of a punch to it. Um, but I actually don't remember the series as well. I remember really enjoying it, but I also do remember... The only scene I really do remember is like they think they're having, like one character's having an argument with another character, and then she grabs her head and then smashes it against the wall, and she still has this stupid goofy smile on her face. Like, like Nani, Nani. <laughs> um, and then after that, we saw 
because I was wondering, oh, did they make more horror movie stuff? And then I think after the movie, because we needed a palate cleanser from the. the oh, I'm so sad right now. Um, Gary showed me the spin-off of um, of Haruhi that's just like these little tiny segments. It was so adorable and so delightful because it just kind of because now Yuki Nagato with her her um, delivery like her robotic delivery finally can get some personality and she says something like what she says something really funny like um, know know the player or something like that don't, don't hit the player hit the game don't hit the player hit the game yeah and it's like it's play like, with me I'm good. <laughs> but it's like Melancholy Haruhi-chan which that's actually part of the title Haruhi-chan yeah it makes fun of this series but it still has those intricate details that if you watch the series you'd be like oh I remember that oh I remember that oh yeah, I remember yeah. that and the differences are that well Haruhi's bored still but she looks stupider so it's all cute. the characters look adorable. All, all the characters are, they, are absolutely is it, is it adorable. Chibi? Yeah, it's chibi. Yeah, it's chibi. Which is which means small and cute. Uh, Nagato plays games and they're mostly erogen, which <laughs> basically <laughs> it means eighteen plus. Um, Kion is still Kion and he's trying to deal with what the fuck is going but it's on. It's like he's even more impatient than usual. Yeah, he's more impatient. Masasahina is still adorable. Just and, and, Sur and Suraya, her, her friend, actually gets more of a presence here. And she also gets more of a presence in the spin-off, like the Yuki Nagato spin-off as well. And uh, Koizumi pretty much is Koizumi. Koizumi is always Koizumi. Koizumi is always Koizumi. And the, ho the whole little series, I think it took us like 40 minutes to finish? Yeah. It is really cute if, especially if you watch the movie and you're still like, still like stupefied by it. Yeah. Um, then it's really good to watch afterwards as a nice feel, a nice casual, comfy, like you just come home from a late day and you just yeah. watch it for 40 minutes and it's, it's very good and I funny. mean, it goes in so many different directions and it takes the premises of like, like here's what the SOS Brigade's gonna do, we're gonna have a competition and just all these these, these really funny ideas. I say, I, it couldn't work in the series because I wouldn't take it seriously because we have this context, but still the same, the original voice cast. It's, makes it, it makes it work, and it's like, this is something really special, and I'm glad that this, this exists. Nyoron! Oh, I, that's... I, have you seen all of Nyoron? Yeah, we saw all Nyoron. Nyoron. We did, I don't... Hey, guys! Do you want some smoked cheese? No. <laughs> Nyoron! Gary, I think we finally reached the end. Oh hey, we recorded for six hours straight. My God, did we do that? Um, before we get to the final, actual final part of this recording, I, I just wanted to talk about what I learned from watching anime with my little brother. I learned that I do not give an anime a single chance <laughs> unless it hooks me from the first episode. I'm one of the people that watches one series and then just gives up on it immediately. If it wasn't for my brother, I would never have seen Squid Girl. Because if I if I just discovered it on my own, it is, oh, she makes squid puns? Fuck this shit. Did you have a squiddle problem with it? I had a very squiddle problem it. With was it was tentacular, don't you, don't you ink? If I watched free, and it's, a, it's just a bunch of guys flexing for 20 minutes, I'm not watching this. It's fucking hot. Would, <laughs> I would have given up on that. It, it, I think that what I've learned from anime, and what I think a lot of people should learn from anime is that anime has a lot of potential to be many different things and, and I think it's kind of unfair to judge uh, a medium because Studio Ghibli is like it's like Pixar it's like you get one impression of what an animation style can be and then you think everything can be that well yes and no Pixar 
as wonderful as the stories are, there's certain stories that they can't do. They can't do what Puella Magi Madoka Magica did, or like Studio Ghibli, they can't. They can do something similar. Like, I know that Princess Mononoke is like the most intense Studio Ghibli film, and we will see. We will see that movie eventually, and we'll get to talk about it, because um, Studio Ghibli is its own episode. But, but there's a lot of stories that need to be told, and sometimes the restrictions that you place on yourself, or the restrictions that you think of story, might be restricting the potentials that the stories might have, what these stories could contain, what the stories can be, what can achieve. If you, I don't think, you would never see a series like Lucky Star in American television. You never. It's that much different. And, and, and it feels like there's so much of a focus, especially here, about story, about... I mean, I think, yes, we did talk about story and when it works effectively, but then we also talk about comedies that can just be funny. Like, they don't need to... They don't need to have... Like, kind of like Seinfeld was, actually. Like, the characters didn't really learn their lessons. It's in a show about nothing. It's a show about nothing. And Lucky Star might be kind of close to that, too. In its own way. Maybe it, it is about something. It's just I haven't identified what that something is quite yet. But uh, seriously, a series like Lucky Star could never exist in American television. And it's wonderful that the series exists and that people can enjoy it and that it it, 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 it was given a chance in a different in a different part of the world. I've learned so much more from taking this journey that I feel like I, I keep telling myself every day, I'm going to watch one movie, but I feel like I've still learned just as much about narrative storytelling, about character development, and I've learned a lot, a lot from watching all this anime. And I'm glad to know that We'll keep go. We'll keep it going. We're gonna watch second seasons of some of the series that we still need, and we're gonna watch more anime films like Garden, the Garden of Words. We're gonna see the movie of Madoka Magica. Graveyard of the Fireflies. Graveyard of the Fireflies. Oh man, that one we'll have to watch the Haruki Suzuki Chan after that because that one's gonna be such a joy. We'll watch Free Season Two. Oh, actually, that's that'll be a pretty good palate cleanser. As you guys know. It's been four months exactly since our last episode. A lot's going on. I've said it in updates in the past. Um, the reason why it's taken so long is because I've been going through a lot of I've been going through a lot of emotional problems, a lot of um, self-reflection, um, a lot of doubt um, in the recent recent days. Um, I've been depressed. I've been legitimately depressed, and I've been seeing a counselor, and I'm, I'm getting better, but. It's been very difficult. Um, difficult for myself, for my brother, for my mom. I haven't wanted to make them worry about me as much, but... I... Sometimes I... I've been just been struggling a lot, and... Enemies actually been pull, pulled me out of this... Um, this feeling. It, it was the start of it. Um, and I can't be more grateful that I got to share this experience with my little brother. He means so much to me. And uh, I don't know who else I would want to, I would want to do this with. I, I would not want a better, I can't, I couldn't imagine a better co-host. Thank you, Gary. Alright, um... And finally, um... Well, last thing I have to say is that taking us out this time is, um... Start Dash by Muse. Um, I feel like... 
with, with the journey that we've, we've both gone on, like you, the, us, the brothers and the listeners, that I feel like this is probably the perfect song to end everything on. And uh, no plugs this week because this is probably the only thing I'll be working on for the for at least a month. So, But at the same time, though, this was really long. This was really long. Sorry about that. We just love anime so much that we just had to share it with all of you guys. But thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for for <clears throat> yeah for being there for, for all for all these years. Here, do you have anything to say? Arigato. Sayonara. Shimmy